This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the Gala iFanboy Pick a Week podcast extravaganza, episode number oh. 150, sponsored by eMusic and Netflix and iFanboy. Oh, my. oh. that was, wow. <laughs> I mean, <Yikes>. wow. <laughs> I'm tired oh. already. <laughs>
It's the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 150. I apologize to everybody with loudspeakers. <laughs> Sorry, my name is Ron, and I'm here with Connor. Um, I'm Josh. I'm going to temper your exuberance with, with, with just downtroddenness. Well, anyway, yeah. if this is your first experience, you're listening to a podcast from the website ifanboy.com, which is the, with the three of us as well as some other folks who help us out uh, manage or do. And that's a website dedicated to comics where we read comics and we read all the a lot of the comics that come out every week. And then one of us picks the one that we deem the pick of the week. And we uh, write a review about it on ifanboy.com, then come here to talk about it, as well as all the other comics and other stuff that you know in the world of comic books that comes out. And before we get started, just a quick kind of warner for anybody, uh, war- warner, a quick kind of <laughs> warning. Jack Warner. Uh, Started the studio in 1930. <laughs> a quick warner. Um, this is a review show, so we're going to be talking about the comic book that came out this week that was the pick of the week, or books. But we're going to talk about what happened in it, so if you haven't read them, then you might want to pause. And we're also going to be talking about comics in general, so if you're afraid of being things spoiled, just be careful. And disclaimer, it's not our fault. Um, I don't like to have people talk about comics <laughs> in case they spoil something I haven't read or didn't even know about. But in, in the course of telling me about a book, you, and you tell me a little bit of the plot, it's ruined. It's spoiled. <laughs> but before we get started, my exuberance is because it is our 150th episode. And Connor, what does that mean? That means we're breaking our normal format. And we're going to talk about the pick of the week and a couple of the other books. And then we're going to go right into answering listener email. Where we're going to answer in a, in a much longer show a lot of email. This, this episode is dedicated to you, the member of the iFan base who we do this every week for. So if this is your first episode, normally we talk about the books of the week, you know, eight or nine books, and we do a couple of emails, a couple of voicemails, and get on out of here. But this time, it's a different kind of format. We'll return to the normal format next week. Don't worry. Don't worry. It'll be fine. We get self-indulgent once in a while, and that's it. And this is self-indulgent. About, about every 50 episodes. Yeah, just to, about. To just about. This week, Josh had the pick, and it was Invincible number 52. And at that point, Connor, we're going to bid you adieu. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and that's because Connor reads Invincible in trades. And Nancy, you, that's his problem. Before I hand the mic over to Josh, I want to point out that in Invincible number 42, I switched to issues. And both Connor and Josh gave me a lot of shit for doing that. And I would like you to go back to the tape and prove that what I, I said. Oh, totally can, can go back to the tape. You like, I'll never, I'm going to read it in trade. I'll never read this in issues. And blah, 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 blah. I have the emails. And now here we are, 10 issues later, and it's your pick of the week, Josh. Explain yourself. All right. I'm not going to get in a fight with you over this. No, it's, I'm, it's I'm really ready it. to fight. I'm ready to fight over it. No, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> I was so delighted to see that you picked Invisible number 52. Um, I, I really hope Connor's not with us anymore. <laughs> we didn't check. <laughs> we just assume he left. He's listening right now, crying. No, stop talking. Stop talking. We, <laughs> <laughs> we, we put glue on his headphones and he doesn't know it. <laughs> and he has no idea how to use volume. <laughs> just can't work. These buttons. Okay. I read up through the last Invincible trade, which went through number 47, I believe. Okay. And then the big issue 50 came out, and I thought, eh, I can probably find 48 and 49 somewhere. So I bought 50, and then I bought 51, and then I decided I couldn't find 48 and 49, and I said, screw it, and I read them anyway. Which brought me to 52, which is my first sort of regular issue that I bought the week it came out and read it that week. You popped a Um, cherry! Ew! I'm sorry. (laughs) It's a carryover from last week. And it was also in the video show from last week, too. Oh, it was. <laughs> right, it was. Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is that this week, it should be noted that it's actually a real shame that we're doing the show like this because yeah. it was an incredibly stupid good week. It was stupid. I, I mean, like, I had about 10 or more books or so, and, like, not a one of them was less than four stars on the five-star iFanboy rating scale. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I, I enjoyed everything I read this week. And this is actually the last book that I read because I have a sixth sense about these things. It basically, okay, here's you, you got your spoiler warning, but this is your super spoiler warning. If you if you thought we weren't serious, we are. When Kid Omni Man uh, bursts through uh, the the Mauler is it, what is it? Is it Mauler clone? Um, let me yeah. let me look in the issue. The, the the bad guy. Yeah. When he bursts Mauler, through the black, well, the bad Mauler, guy. Mauler I mean, brother. The Mauler brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, I like. It was a great, great, great comic book moment. You, you know what it was, and it's funny because because it's likened, and I believe you likened to it in the review of the moment when like things with with Invincible's father with Omni Man hit the fan for the first time. Yeah. And it's been a while since we've had this kind of jerk your head in the opposite direction. Oh my god, moment for Invincible. And this is just a reminder of that. Kirkman will do that to you, and how how awesome it is when that happens. Well, you know, the thing is, is that he set us up with, oh, 50 is the one where everything's going to change. And then 51 is the one where he gets a new costume. And so you're like, okay, now we're going to – so that was the change and we're settling into the status quo. And he totally like – like out of all the problems that, that Mark has been having, this is not the one that was on your horizon. It was like all – the whole last few issues have been like this, look over here, look over here, and yeah. then bam. Yep. And then he, and then a page and a half later, he does it again. That was that was what was great. Was the was the doing yeah. it again with going back to the well was just genius because he's just and like then, he did it and he's like I'm sorry I didn't know and then it does it again. It was awesome. It was great. So and which and again and that's you know even that's enough. And then the conversation that follows the actual human relationship drama of of Mark and Oliver. By the way, you did notice that he's named Oliver, like the kid from the Brady Bunch who ruined that show when he showed up. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was obvious. I mean, that was. Yeah. I mean, because because the part of the also like we when which we discussed Jesus maybe 130 episodes ago. All the trades of Invincible are named after sitcoms, right. so there's a subtle sitcom thread throughout Invincible, which is kind of interesting. Nice. But yeah, but sort of the conversation that follows that is really disturbing. Like, if you place yourself in Invincible, Mark Grayson's shoes. At, at like wh- how, what he's supposed to do with this situation, like what can he do? Right. And and then, but then at the end, there's like the little hint that maybe he feels the same way. Maybe his viltrumitism is a little stronger than than right than he thinks. Yeah, he, yeah. Because I mean, because so basically, what happens is is that you know, like the, the you know they they go to fight the bar, the Mauler brothers and and Invincible gets knocked out or knocked out of the way and Kid Omni Man goes crazy and and doesn't go crazy but just kills them and then Invincible grabs them and they and they fly up. I liked how. I liked how when um uh when what's his name the dude the Cecil guy Cecil and and the other heroes show up and Invincible shows up and gets all mad it's like leave my brother alone and he's like Sky and they just fly up like I like how they mm-hmm. they have this whole kind of they can just go up which is kind of yeah. cool I like that but um they have this lot of kind of talking to and and the kid is you know kid is screaming saying you know why it was what I did wrong and and they were they were they were gonna hurt people and I, I just took care of it and Mark's trying to explain that we don't kill and we're heroes. And he's and then the kid Omni Man's explaining what he thought, and Mark says you kind of sound like Dad, and he's like, well, maybe he was right, and it just ends on that little cliffhanger, that little zoom in on on Invisible's mouth, going, you know, maybe you know, sometimes like he's like he's like, don't you ever think Dad might be right? And he's like, sometimes. So yeah, it was. Um, um, I thought it was really well done. It was. It ended on a really strong note. I just didn't see any of this coming, and and like I probably should have. It seems like a completely obvious choice, which I call I call that a Jeff Johns move. But it was just so what exactly what's good about this book, yeah. like when it just you know rips you in a different direction that you weren't expecting. And uh, again, I would be totally remiss. Ryan Otley, yeah. Is... Well, well, well there, there was before. Well, before we get to well, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the art. Ryan Otley is great, but 
this Foucault Placenis, Placenisia, the new colorist or whatever his name is. I thought the colors were noticeably great in this issue. Yeah, they were. Yeah, the they col- were. I think that the new costumes work really well. And yeah, there's a, there's a sort of interesting color palette on this that's a little brighter and a little less shaded, I it's, guess. It's like no, honestly, it's like no other comic book I read right now visually, I think. And it's yeah. a combination of Otley's art and now the, and the coloring, and then it's you know it's a very bright superhero book, but the kids covered in blood. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and and that's I mean that's one thing that that Otley seems to be really good at. Oddly enough, is really gory shit. Yeah, yeah. When he punches through the brothers and and goes right through their head, that was that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the other thing is, I noticed reading this just because I'd been spending so much time looking at Kirby stuff and reading about him lately is that all of that Kirby like flying off the page, punching off the page at the reader. That is all right here in these pages. Totally. And I I hadn't ever noticed it, but if you look, they're coming at you. Yep. And, like, they're just, like, Invincible and and, and Kid Omniman, they're just slightly coming out of the panels, and they're just leaving their boundaries a little bit. Yeah. And you'll notice that all over the place in this in this book and it's subtle but it just gives it this incredible energy. Yeah. And what I also thought was interesting is that is how the the look of the book has evolved and it's gotten very subtly elegant, you know, and and mm-hmm. what and specifically like the use of speed lines in this issue. Mm-hmm. Like if you notice yeah. like the speed there's there are like manga s speed lines all over the place. Like anytime there's movement or flying or somebody getting thrown or anything like that, there are those little speed lines that that and they're done. You know, they're, it's obviously digital. Like they're obviously done digitally, but they're done so well that that or maybe they're not done digitally. I don't know what the fuck do I know, but it really makes it work. But they stay within the panels, and it's 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 it's. it's I think it's great to see this book go from issue one with Corey Walker, and then bring on Otley, and then seeing how Otley has has evolved as an artist. I think is really really impressive. I'd struggle to think of a, a sort of superhero, a guy who's doing superheroes. As cleanly and as energetically as Otley. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just so good. And every, like, literally, I can, fl- I'm flipping through this book right now, and on every page, I'm seeing something that's impressing me. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, sort of the, the foreground and background perspectives that he's putting in the pages, or, you know, the, the double page spread of the Mahler brothers with all the sort of downed heroes around them. That's an, that's an awesome page. Yep. And it, even the background is impressive. Yeah. I mean, this is just, just, and it's not phoned in anywhere. And maybe the dude takes a little bit longer. That's fine. Yeah. Well, you know, the, well, well, that's what I wanted to ask you. So now that you're off trades, I mean, well, you haven't really dealt with a really long delay in between issues or anything like that. But how does it read an issue? Because I mean, we always say Invincible is great, and it was made for reading and trade. And and that was my kind of my experiment was I'm going to read an issues and see how it reads. And so I'm curious what you thought. This one read really well. The last couple. They were fine. One was a double-sized issue or whatever, so that's what 50 was. And then 51, I mean, not a lot happened in those, I guess. Yeah. This one, it read extremely fast. Not as fast as Walking Dead reads. Right. Walking <laughs> Dead's like, Walking Dead's it's like, flip, flip, oh, what happened? I mean, and it, you don't really feel shorted, but yeah. this one, uh, this was this was a really satisfying issue. I don't know. I haven't been on long enough to tell you, but I know Fair that enough. reading the trades goes really fast too. But well, God, what what incredible issue! It's I mean, nice to see after 150 issue, uh, 150 episodes. Now we can see Invincible get the pick of the week, and and after years of people yelling us because we read in trades and that it deserved to be the pick of the week and stuff like that. Now we just got to figure out how to get Walking Dead in the, you know in in a pick of the week sooner or later. I'm on, I'm reading Walking Dead in issues. Well, could happen. It's just yeah, it could happen. You never know. Could so, happen. All right, excellent. So, anything else to say on Invincible Fifty Two, Josh? Or anything that we can ruin for Connor when he comes back? Oh, that's no, no, idea. I, I, yeah. I think we're covered. But seriously, there is not a better superhero book. So, I, I, you know, I know there's people out there who only read Marvel or DC or whatever. 
this book is so worth if you like superheroes there's yeah. literally no reason to not read this even if especially if you've read kirkman's marvel work and you didn't really like it that much it's still not a reason not to read this book yeah no no read this you need if you like superheroes you need to be reading this book there's not a better one yep all right excellent well uh let's get connor back bring back big man i am back and did we're you, back did you, did you hear any of that i heard none of it i was off having a meeting with a new potential sponsor oh <laughs> excellent how did it go <laughs> With La Cerveza del Pacifico. <laughs> Excellent. It's muy bueno. <laughs> All right. Well, so uh, we had promised we said that we were only going to talk about the pick of the week and we were going to dive into the emails, but I'm screwing things up and the, the week was so good and I didn't think that we could we should really not address talking about Secret Innovation number six. Ooh. Did you not like it? I gave it a two out of five. Wow. And I gave it a five out of five. Yeah. Josh, where do you fit in the middle? Four. Four. I went with four. Yeah, here's basically what what got what got it for me. Well, first off, if you open so Secret Invasion number six, finally, you know they they're out of the Savage Land, and they kind of finally square off. The the heroes finally square off with the scrolls in in New York City and Central Park. There were two moments in this that really that made me that kind of gave me chills. Was that in the first like six pages or so when the scrolls are talking to uh, Spider Woman and they're talking about how Reed Richards escaped and the one scroll says it's always Richards. I kind of giggled because that's my name, <laughs> and I pretended it was me. No, basically the addition of Bucky as Cap and Thor, and then the Avengers Assemble moment right before it when the Spider Woman scroll is talking about God has brought them to save them, and Nick Fury just says, yeah, well, my God has a hammer. And then the big Avengers assemble, and then the two double-page spreads, I took it hook, line, and sinker. Uh, that said, looking at it in the past couple of days, I see some flaws. Oh, sure. <laughs> also, my, big, my biggest problem with it is none of it's been earned. I mean, there were great moments in it, but, but yeah. I should be all pumped up by the last double-page spread of, of all the double-page spreads in that issue. But yeah. it wasn't because I wasn't earned. You know, it just sort of happened. There was nothing, no progression. We just sort of just, out of the savage land, big fight. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny yeah. is that this is still a setup issue. Yeah, yes, exactly. That's that's, yeah. that's why I gave like, it too because it's still. Yeah. That's true. However, and also they completely and totally wrecked Taskmaster's costume, and he can't fly. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Last page of the issue in the upper right hand corner, you see Taskmaster flying. Unless that's not Taskmaster, but I'm pretty sure it is. What's that going to be? However, for me, and this is totally lame, but the best moment in this, uh, uh, Spider Man. So anyone in the mood to hit Denny's on the way home? Yeah, that was good. Luke yeah. Jokes, really? <laughs> Come on, it was barely a joke, Luke. <laughs> I was like, that, that just like, for whatever reason, like he nailed everybody nailed like the balloon placements and the timing. That joke worked really well. Yeah, it did. It really did. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I thought it was great. I mean, I read it in the store because I was so excited because that it came out, and it's yeah, may, part maybe because I'm the Marvel zombie and I want it to be good. My my problems with it were my my two problems I did have, and giving it a five probably was too generous. But I thought you know Lionel Yu's art is starting to get strained. I think mainly in a lot of the lack of detail in the big spreads. Although Howard the Duck is hiding in Stature's boob on the second on the third to last page. Also my one of my concerns was the the gathering with having Bucky Cap and Thor arrive like I didn't that didn't it was like I turned the page and they're there waiting for them. It's like how did they know, you know, it just seemed a little contrived. But other than that, it was awesome. Yeah, I I I mean you you know, use art. There's a lot of ink on the page. Yeah. I mean, he had a lot of work to do. Let's just think, say, let's just say he's no Perez. I I think he did a damn fine job. Yeah. I think some of the character designs in the big splashes were off for whatever reason. Like maybe he wasn't as familiar with those characters. And floating, but if you flip through these pages, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there is. He had he has work cut out for him. I mean, that's a that's a lot of characters. So yeah. I'll let him pass on that. 
Yeah, I don't know. Secret Invasion is just an, it's you know two issues and then we're done and then this this whole embrace change thing comes upon us. So we'll see what that means. But goddamn, it was a great week for books between you know Criminal and Booster Gold and Pax Romana and all this kind of stuff. So make sure you go to ifanboy.com/comics and read everybody's user reviews and see what everybody thought of all the comics that came out. Cotter, and pick you, your your pick of the week. Yeah, exactly. Josh, Josh yeah. and I were talking while you were uh, talking to the La Cerveza people. Um, yes, that it was know. that it was just a ridiculous week of books, and uh, I was I didn't know if you agreed or not. It was a pretty strong week, that's for sure. Yeah, well, Some really really good good reads in there. Yeah, awesome. All right, well enough about comics. Whatever. <laughs> we're probably we're not still stopping comics. Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought we were talking. Okay, anyway. Got fifteen pages of comic book emails. <laughs> so we've asked you to send in your questions, and here they are. And so let's uh, are we going to dive in? Let's preface this by saying we're not going to get everyone's question in. There's just too many. So we're sorry if we didn't get to your question. We will each email you back directly. But there was a lot of questions. You want to do this Bendis tape style? We'll just put out (laughs) 74 hours of us talking about ourselves. No, I don't. I don't think anybody wants that. (laughs) Unless someone wants to come edit that for us. All right. Our first email is from Eric from Texas, and he says Name a current comic you read that the other two iFanboys don't. All right, Josh. Abel's, Hellblazer. <laughs> nice. Many, many books. Many There's a lot books. of books that we read and no one else, yeah. amongst the three of us read. Like I read Green Lantern Corps, which you guys really should read, just being big Green Lantern fans. Yep. Birds of Prey. There's yeah. other books. I mean, for, for me, it's probably anything with an X on it. You know, like, we, like Young X-Men and X-Men Legacy and all this kind of stuff. But also, you know, also little things like, I mean, I don't, I, am I the only one reading I Kill Giants from Image that came out this week? You know, like I, you know, there's the little things here and there. That you know, Helen Killer. <laughs> That's <you're> sicko. <laughs> young Liars, which Trinity. by the way, which by the way, Young Liars went off the rails this week. <laughs> I heard. Oh, I was just like, oh god, there's the left turn. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I was like, I'm not. You're not getting me, buddy. He's too many times. Yeah. Him and Joe Straczynski, back up. Yeah, no. We, I mean, we we don't all read the same stuff. Okay. That way we can cover the field. Yeah. All right, next question comes from A. Devlin, who wants to know, have any of us had the opportunity to check out the Watchmen motion comic on iTunes? I found the first chapter captivating. I imagine Mr. Moore himself would approve of this production. Are we seeing a new trend in comic booking? You are wrong. No, he wouldn't. It, doesn't <laughs> no. even, it could be the greatest thing on God's green earth, and he'd be like, I don't like it. <laughs> he's, not, he's not even going to watch it. He doesn't even know, whatever. No. My only pro- I thought it was really cool. My only problem was just the, with the voices. I didn't watch it, so what were, they, what were they like? Well, no, they had one guy. It was like an audiobook. Uh, and so the one dude did all the voices, including the chicks. Was it Roger I, Slattery? I, I don't know who it was. It was it, that. That would be awesome. I read it. I mean, I watched it or whatever. But I was like, "What's the point?" Right. It was the comic book page, and they made it move around. Well, a little well, bit. The, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, and, and this it's better and, than the Invincible one. I, I wrote an article on myfanboy.com about this a couple of weeks ago about this new trend of motion comics or whatever they are. You know, where like within the the Invincible comic came out, which was just basically taking panels from Invincible and kind of moving around. And this Watchmen one was similar to that. I don't know. I mean, you know, like it's not better than the comic, but if it gets if it grabs someone's attention and then they go check out the comic, then cool. You know, I mean, yes, I mean, maybe. but it, being a huge comic book snob, I mean, the Watchmen's about being a comic book. And, and especially when you get to the point where you're showing the images from it, the juxtaposition of those images and the way that those pages look is is for a reason. So yeah. the, the movie adaptation is one thing, but making it a visual comic is another. Yeah. I mean, but I, I did give it a shot. I tried to watch it. It wasn't offensive, but I, I didn't really see the point, I guess. But a lot of people seem to like it, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's totally, a, you know, marketing for the movie, so, I mean, that's obvious, but... You'll like it. 
He sounds like a freaking... <laughs> I can't do him. I know, you can't. It sounds like a World of Warcraft character. <laughs> Neil Appeal is very appealing. We keep hearing about all the talented creators that Marvel is picking up. They got Matt Fraction, they got Jason Aaron, they got Jonathan Hickman and Rick Remender. But what we really hear about is DC picking up new talents, which is troubling me. Who should they be hiring? What books do you think they should be put on? That's a very good point. Well, Jonathan Hickman and Remender aren't exclusive Marvel. Remender's doing Booster Gold. True, yeah. Remender is working at DC. But, but other than that, I mean, other than like, that they got nothing. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, like, and, and I'm not trying to take work away from Paul Dini, but, uh, I mean, put Jason Aaron on Detective Comics or something like that. Right. Well, oh, God, yes. Would, After that penguin, he did. He would smoke he would, that book. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. fu- it's funny because DC had a couple of them. I mean, because DC snatched uh, McKeever away from Marvel, but that's that hasn't been of the Aaron, you know, He's not – I mean, all due respect to McKeever, whose work I like, he's not of that level. Yeah. I mean, he's not I yet. Just, I, yeah, not yet. They, they got right. a bunch of guys like McKeever and Tony Bedard, and the guys that are at that like emerging level, but not at that right. breakout level yet. And right. they're just all the all the big guys. They're going to Marvel. The money. I mean, well, it's, fu- it's fu- no, but it's really funny though because you know Fraction, Aaron, Hickman, Remender to us are big guys, but to the industry and everybody else, they're not yet. No, but they are emerging new talent, and I can yeah. tell you that at least they're critical two of, of those, talent. Yeah. Two of those guys in four or five years are going to be. Bendis. You know, Brubaker. You know, Fraction is pretty close to being at that level at this point now, for whatever reason. Like, like really running the show. <laughs> nice. And- <laughs> Way to subtly dig at him for whatever reason. <laughs> no, I, no, I mean, no, I, well, I haven't been a huge fan. That's not that's not yeah. a big surprise. I think he's getting better. I absolutely think he's getting better. Yep. For a long time, he Matt Fraction focused a lot on being weird for weird's sake, and I think that he's really hunkered down a lot. Yeah, and, I think. And gotten better I mean, honestly, story. it's funny because you know we talk. You know, we, there's a lot of talk about working for Marvel and DC versus doing creator and stuff and stuff like that. And you know, Fraction got to start doing weird kind of indie books. And I think that working for a company like Marvel is probably going to be the best decision he made in his career because I think it's going to make him a better writer in general. You know? To have constraints. Yeah, exactly. Remember, Brubaker wasn't Brubaker for a while. No. He did a no. lot of – even when he was writing Batman, he wasn't Brubaker. Yeah. No. You know, he, he wasn't – you know, these guys take a while to become the big names. But DC is definitely lagging behind in terms of getting the critical acclaimed writers on there. And you, you know what's funny is that like Jeff John, Johns, who's their biggest – he's still – he's not even – he's not flashy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't see him doing lots of podcasts and talking lots of stuff and being out there and, like... He just works. His, he just works. and, and he's, like, he's, he's writing 45 books. He's a good earner. True, he's a good earner. The works... <laughs> Again, with the mafia. <laughs> but, like, even his books aren't flashy. They just go. They yeah. just work. They're like... I don't know. I I lost my metaphor. Well, no, but... Tires. But, but, but the thing about... Yeah, the thing about... The thing about Johns, though, is I think John... I mean, I, honestly, I think Johns is of the top five writers right now. If not one of the, if the top three or two. I would like to see what else he can do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, right now, like, right now, honestly, a, if it, from a writing, I know I'm going off the question, but if you go from a writing standpoint, I think it's Johns and Bendis are the two best writers in comics right now. Uh, Rubaker might have something to say about that. Yeah, he's a nice number three. And, and from, a, from a market standpoint, I don't think you can, you can ignore Mark Miller either. True. Good no. Point. Very good point. And he... He comes on a book, whether I mean whether you like his stuff or not. Like he's he's got to be top three biggest names. Yeah. I always laugh whenever I see the the when I look in Wizard, I see the Wizard top ten artists, which they still do, um, or top ten top ten writers. <laughs> they still have the same pictures. No, they still have the same pictures. But um, like <laughs> Alex Ross was like the number nine top writer. What? <laughs> because he was writing Justice or like co plotting. Like it was just so such a bullshit. I'm sorry, I don't mean to bash on Wizard, but it was just like <laughs> Terrence from Fort Worth writes in and says. Did you see the poster by DC with 11 women titled Where the Real Power Lies? Batwoman? What am I missing? That should have been Huntress. What do you think the equivalent would be in Marvel? 
that's a that's that's a that's a nerdy ass comic book question. So, so what is so what is it? So the the Adam Hughes picture of women, yes, and they show Batwoman and not Huntress. So it's what kind of character? So the, is the question what character w- gets featured that should be another character? No, I think he's saying it should what, be the- Huntress and not Batwoman. Yeah. Don't you agree with me? Right. Dot dot dot. Oh, who are who- powerful Marvel women? Oh, easy. Okay, She Hulk, Invisible Woman, Rogue, Kitty Pride, uh, Storm, Wasp. Emma Frost, Black Widow. Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel, uh, totally Ms. Marvel, yeah. Jesus, that would be awesome. Adam Hughes should totally draw that. Pixie? Yeah. Pixie? Or, or ha- how about somebody who finishes books? Nice. Oh, oh bum. Hey, we talked to him a year and a half ago. No, 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 uh, All-Star Wonder Woman will be coming out anytime soon. He gave us a very nice tip about vodka. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah. Mike Graham from Ontario, Canada says – he's got three questions actually, so okay. we'll do this one. I've heard how you guys up inside to start a podcast, but how did the three of you decide to start iFanboy.com? I swear we've answered this question. I are, we, to wait, just... are, we, are we answering the question, each question, or are we hearing the yes, questions? Yes, one at a okay. time. Okay. That's the question we went into in-depth on in the 25th episode, but we can do it quickly. <laughs> yes, in case you don't want to go back and find the 25th episode. Because honestly, the link probably doesn't work. <laughs> and just email me and let me know and I'll fix it fuckers uh, uh, we, uh, we all were friends in college read comic books uh, and we got out of college we started an email list and then each week we would send each other little capsule reviews and we would all sort of do it around and then the list got bigger and bigger we thought hey let's make a website and we did and then nobody else came <laughs> and then we stopped talking to those friends on the list <laughs> yeah it, like none of them came to the website because they're assholes and, and now see. we have all of you to make up for because we showed them do you hear me Nick <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true yeah no we just I, you Tom I mean basically we just you know we were emailing and, and we said hey let's just do let's do this to the web let's do this on the web the new because at that time in 2000 Art. it was fairly a new thing Sam yeah his quest, second question what trades or collections do you find yourselves consistently pulling off the shelves and rereading Watchmen and Dark Knight are gimmies I don't think they are gimmies you kidding me I read each one of those at least once a year yeah. nah I don't yeah you should they're great yeah you should go fuck yourself um, sorry, I don't know where that came from. That's a good question. We're only, we're only five questions in, and Ron's already getting punched. Because <laughs> I'm like four drinks in. <laughs> uh, preacher, I don't, I don't reread that much, unfortunately. Yeah, honestly, we're reading so much new stuff for the shows. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, the rereading has really gone downhill. That's uh, for us personally. Yeah, but I've read Preacher a few times. That's probably the only one. I, I don't find myself reading, but I find myself flipping through New Frontier. And Sin City a lot. Like I just, I just like flip through them. I'm gonna reread Alias very soon. You know, it's funny because I was just looking at that on the bus on the shelf, and I was like, I should read that. Hours. Yeah. Those are the kind of things that I want to reread because it's been so long, and I still say I love them, but maybe I don't love them anymore. But I think I love them even more. His third question. Here's the obligatory comic nerd question: Who's more powerful, Superman, Martian Manhunter, or Captain Marvel? Which Captain Marvel, bitch? I think DC because there are other DC characters. I think we have to assume it's Shazam. I'm punchy. I'm going to say Captain Marvel. Why? Just to be uh, <laughs> No, no. Cause, well, because, okay, Martian Manhunter's, Manhunter's out because of the weakness to flame, to fire. But he's All also the, the weak, weakest of the three anyway. Yeah, but he, but also, but, but an argument could be made because he can be invisible and he's the telepath. That's pretty – like, for me, telepaths always win these battles, but – I could take – if you're writing a story, Superman versus Martian Manhunter, Superman wins. Superman wins any of these. Well, no, no, except no, Captain Marvel beats him because what, what are Captain Marvel's powers? Martyr. Magic. Magic-based. Magic-based. Yeah. So Captain Marvel wins despite what happened Superman, in Kingdom Come. Superman finds a way to win. No, no. Batman finds a way to win. Well, that's not the nope. question. It's not who would win in a fight. It's who's more powerful, and that's easily Superman. But if they were fighting Captain Marvel... 
Oh no, I think Captain Marvel's more powerful. To be honest, no, he's not. you don't think so? Why not? Superman's Nerd stalemate. Why not? <laughs> I mean, Captain Marvel has the the wisdom of Solomon, the hair of Hades, the um, the <laughs> that, the, is, that uh, is not correct. What? Okay, what does Shazam mean? What is it's it's the Hades. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the boots of Aphrodite. He's got, uh, he's got the belt of... Hades uh, isn't even a god. It's a place. I don't know what I was thinking. Hades is the god and the place. Okay. Um, he's got the, you know, this the... the... Solomon. Um, Hermes, I believe. Speed, is speed of Hermes, the lightning of Zeus. Much... The power of Zeus. The power of Zeus. Zeus. The power of Zeus is a lot of power. The wisdom of... Solomon. Um, Solomon. The wisdom, no, wisdom of Athena... The strength of Atlas. No, no it's Sol- Solomon's wisdom. No, S. I gotta look it up. S. What does Solomon? Solomon? Uh, her. One of them is. Because one the of them M is Achilles. Mer- All right, hang one on. One of them is Achilles. Atlas. It's Achilles and Atlas. Those are the two A's. Yeah. Hang on, I'm looking at Mercury, Zeus, Atlas, Achilles, uh, Hades, and Solomon. All Hades' right. hair. The hair of these guys. What you didn't know is that Hades has a toupee. <laughs> And he has the actual hair around. of Hades. All right, here we go. Here we go. Okay, so Shazam, it's the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of, Mercu- of, of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury. Well, there yes. we go. Yeah. No Nowhere in there doesn't mention the Hades hair anywhere. No, it's, it's, nothing about Hades' hair, no. Someone you should update call. that Wikipedia entry. Uh, that's totally, that's my pitch to DC. You should call Judd Winnick right now. Hey. <laughs> Done with the series, and how did you get my number? All right, next question comes from Caroline, or also known as Oh Caroline on iFanboy.com. Um, it's funny, that's how you read it. Yeah, well, I read it like this. Oh, Caroline. <laughs> Connor, how do you read it? I can't say that out loud. <laughs> you hear that? That's how we set them up and knock them down here at iFanboy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Caroline. Okay, for each of you, if you could take charge of any title, character, universe for a day, and you were allowed to impose one retcon, big or small, what would you choose? I got it. Okay, Josh. Hawkeye and Mockingbird. Hawkeye oh. is real. Back West Coast Avengers. Do it. <laughs> That's not a retcon, though. That's like a reboot. Whatever. That's my answer. Suck it. All right, then. Well, can we change it to reboot, or can we just get rid of something? Uh, retcon, reboot, whatever you want. I'm just I'm just going to take an action and get rid of uh, Jason Todd. Uh, that's a retcon. Just say Jason Todd didn't come back. It's not Jason Todd. It's somebody who thinks he's Jason Todd. It's Wait, Clayface. Him coming back or him being completely he never, he gone? He never came back. He never came back. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I would retcon Morrison's entire second mutation thing on the X-Men. So, so your name is Matt Fraction. Yeah, my name is Matt Fraction. Hello, nice to meet you. <laughs> the uh, hatred. It's good comics. Don't get me wrong. That's my disclaimer. It's good comics, just not X-Men comics. Okay. Edward Doherty of Canberra, Australia. Uh, mate. Do all Marvel and DC characters besides Daredevil have some weird universal religious background undefined not to upset readers, or is it just me? And while we're at it, is Green Arrow the only character to display any political opinions? Okay, those are two. We'll do those, and then there's one more he's got. The first one is no. They have – no, they all have specific religions. Actually, there's a web page. If you search comic book character religions. Ooh, it's hardcore too. Yeah, it's like like the Beast is an Episcopalian. Yeah, the did. Huntress is very overtly Catholic. Yeah, she wears a cross. Daredevil's Catholic, very Catholic. There's lots of them. Sabra, like, I mean, Sabra is very Jewish. Nightcrawler. Yep. <laughs> Nightcrawler in his religion, yeah. So is Green Arrow the only character to display any political opinions? He can't be. Why can't I think of anyone else then? Kind of. Because they don't really really deal with politics. So that's Green Arrow's shtick, is that he's a firebrand mm-hmm. political guy. So the other, I mean, they don't 
do those kind of stories. So that's usually, I mean, Hawkman was always placed as his headbutter. So if anything, you'd say Hawkman, but he's not really human. Yeah, but Hawkman so, wasn't like, no, abortion should be illegal. Like, it, like, it, wasn't, like, it wasn't like that. Like, like Hawkman, Very special issue. Hawkman wasn't really like a raging right winger or anything. He would just. That would, that would be a head scratcher. That would be. That'd be one of those issues where you stop in the middle and go, what? <laughs> Hawkman's there talking about tax cuts and, and the right to bear arms, and he's an NRA member, and him and Charlton Heston go way back. He doesn't like guns. He uses maces. Right, yeah. He's, he's the right to bear arms. I don't know. That's a really good question. I, I mean, like, there's the whole, I mean, Marvel's done a lot of skirting the boundaries of political opinion by, you know, especially with Captain America, but not really taking either side, but being political, but not really decisive to piss people off. I don't know. I hate politics. They kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. Ed's last question is, Josh, if Ron and Connor both needed a kidney transplant or they would die, who would you give your kidney to and why, assuming you would ha- give a kidney to either one of them, of course? Jesus, what the fucking kind of question is this? <laughs> why, and why Josh? <laughs> I know, because I'm the one who would be the most weird about it. Like, Connor would just be like, Ron, like, why? Because, <laughs> and, and be over it, and, and uh, I know, I can't pick. Honestly, I couldn't pick. The irony is, is that I'm not giving anybody a kidney. I know. I was like, well, I'd probably have to save it for my wife, just in case. Yeah. So they would both die. <laughs> nice. Fuck Sorry. Me. All right. I took a vow. <laughs> <laughs> Next question comes from Joe. Joe? But ice. Say it. But ice. <laughs> is that his last name? Batice? Or... Yes. Okay, yes. Joe, yes. Joe Batice. I'm so sorry, Joe. I just finished listening to your quote unquote Dark Knight, and I agree with, uh, I'm assuming the movie. Yeah. And I agree with all of what. You said, except for Connor not wanting to see a third installment. I really think they could make a really good Riddler story, make it almost like a Seven or Zodiac, where Enigma is killing random people but sending riddles to the police and Batman. It could be a really interesting concept. What do you think? That's not the Riddler. The Riddler's what? a thief, not a murderer, for one thing. True, good point. Am I right? Am I wrong about yeah, that? No, yeah, no, he's not. He's even a good guy right now. Yeah. No, you can't, the Riddler, there's no... <laughs> wow! All right, I think there could be. A th- I think there could be a third movie. It's obviously going to be. Well, there there is going to be a third movie, yeah. but yeah, I don't want there to be a third movie. That's yeah. that's the difference, right? You see, you can't you can't beat the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Well, we all know the luck we've had with the third comic book movies. I no between X Men Ratner shit balls and and Venom dancing. Yeah, yeah, and Spider Man three, which I like. We're doomed. We're doomed. You could you could make up a villain. You could. I thought of somebody at one point that I thought would work okay, but Ventrilo- it was a ventriloquist. That's what you're talking about. Oh yeah, the ventriloquist. Oh, the the Mad Hatter guy. No, not yeah. the Mad Hatter. No, 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 the, no, no. Scarface. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could make that work. It should be Dark Side. <laughs> that would be a left turn. Yeah, make it go cosmic. Yep. Awesome, by the way. <laughs> if they like, like he goes in an alley and they just sort of pull back. Dark Side is holy shit. <laughs> He goes into an alley and drives into a boom tube, and then he's in apocalypse. This next one is long, so here we go. Oh, Dominic Dominic says, I recently read, met you guys in passing at the San Diego Comic-Con. I've got something that I wanted to get your take on. I was at Comic-Con from Wednesday through Friday. This is my fourth or fifth year in a row attending. As you guys know, it's getting bigger and bigger every year. I'm slowly whittling down my Comic-Con experience to the early part of the week to minimize dealing with the crowds. I've lowered my expectations of getting into certain panels and presentations. This year, however, I finally feel like Comic-Con has reached its critical mass. One, how do you guys handle it? You hit more cons than me and seem to have a good time. Uh, we don't. I'm not after wear, wear <laughs> hey. comfortable. I'm not after wear comfortable clothing or bring lots of water advice. I wondered what you guys really get out of cons: meeting the creators of various books, the TV and film stuff, scouring the floors, getting some limited edition, only 300 available limited grant hoo ha. What do we get out of cons? I'll keep reading. Oh, for me, oh, sorry. For me, I'm over the I'm, I'm over the cosplayers. I live in LA and I have access to pretty much any sort of collectible trinket or import toy if I wanted that. 
There's some decent comic shops out here that cater to mainstream independent artists. I work in the film business and get plenty of insider scoop on stuff. I was an animator in Spider-Man 3. On top of that, the internet... Everyone meets talking about comic books. I was an animator in Spider-Man 3, you know. On top of that, the internet pretty much gives you all the access you need more. That got me wondering about other cons, namely Ape and WonderCon. First of all, if you go early, you're you're actually getting the crowds because it was more crowded in the beginning of the week than it was. Saturday, Saturday is the new Wednesday. Saturday was dead. Yeah, exactly. On the floor, on the con floor, it was busy in the yeah, panels yeah. and everything. Yeah, but I mean, the thing—the thing is that San Diego Comic Con is unlike any. It's like comparing the World Series Game Seven to a game in May on a Wednesday. You know, in it terms of comparing it to other conventions. You know, that was a baseball reference. I'm sorry. And like for me, I mean, we we go because we have to be there. But for me, like what I'm after now is I'm like hanging out with Josh and Connor and meeting other people and hanging out and meeting cool people and just like kind of you know kind of are in our element there. Yeah, exactly. I so, mean, you know. Like we're doing, like we're doing our jobs there. So, like honestly, it's funny because all that stuff about like prints and collective, we don't, we haven't done that stuff for years. Right. And I and I don't say that like like there was uh like Scott who was there uh, this year, like he was doing the con for me. Yep. I was living vicarious. He's like, I got this signed, and I picked up this, and I bought that, and I was like, Yes, well, right on. And, and it was yeah. And it's actually it was funny because um one uh one of the iFanboy writers Sonia was there with her brother who had never been to San Diego and like. At four points throughout the whole weekend, I saw them just like running across the floor to go get some action figure that was going on sale at noon, and then to go get somebody's signature. And it was like that Virgin Con experience that, like, you you only you know it only happens once, and every year you get more and more kind of uh, jaded by it. And it was nice to see you know people enjoying the con that way. But that that said, for me, the, the conventions, the breaths of fresh air are Emerald City Con, WonderCon, Heroes Con. Like, I have more fun at those than I do at San Diego. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're there for. At this point, for us, like, San Diego's, it's about, like, talking to people we we know and like and, and meeting folks from the show. And, and, like, that part's awesome. I love, It's about people. Like, and we're, San we're Diego's meeting. a social aspect. It's really the most fun. I mean, we go for our jobs, but we like it for the social aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but from a comic-wise, the smaller cons are way more fun because there are less panels. They're, you know, it's easier to walk the floor. It's it's easier to get to the crater you want. It's just it's there's not as many. It's just smaller. You know, it's like. My but it, you know, if you're not into that stuff anymore, I could see skipping it. Yeah, yeah. If you're not if you're not into the getting signatures and buying shit. Oh no, then, I think I yeah. think uh, there was a there was a year when we just all skipped San Diego because it, I, you know I fanboy wasn't as as go, going as strong as it is now, and we're just like I don't I, we've been for the past three years. I don't need to go, and we were all like yeah. And honestly, if we weren't doing I fanboy, I bet you we wouldn't be there this year. Yeah, but we might go to somewhere like Seattle again because that was a really neat show. I love Seattle. That was great. Seattle, Seattle, and on and and like they're just you you go and it was all about comics yeah. and it was just like go talk to the people who make the comics you like, pick up some stuff. It was that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. John Coltrane sixty eight on iFanboy says it occurs to me that there are great characters who, while great in small and even frequent doses, are not as interesting in their own books. I know that Wolverine has been suggested as one of these characters, but his books have been largely successful, and I'm certainly enjoying the current arc. I might propose Namor, Doctor Strange, the Black Panther. Obviously, I'm a Marvel fan. I love all of these characters, but how many Atlantean throne usurpers, denizens of nether dimensions, and vibranium thieves can there possibly be? Do you agree with this premise? If so, which characters currently with solo books do you enjoy, but at the same time would be happy to see them in limited appearances and series of their own instead of? We, we've talked about you know characters like the Punisher who are great secondary characters, right? Martian Manhunter was the, the typical DC one. Yeah. 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 Or, or Nightwing. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Just looking to see if you're uh, paying attention. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, any, any great writer can make any character interesting. The question is for how long. Mm-hmm. And... 
you know, some people just don't go on forever. A lot of people were skeptical of Booster Gold and were, you know, 15 issues in or whatever to, to that yeah, run. He may yeah. be getting to the edge of his. <laughs> yeah. yeah I was his, gonna... I'm, I'm enjoying it, but not as much as I would the first six issues. <laughs> Like, all right. Um, uh, that's funny. You know, I, I don't have 24 issue run in him. That yeah, maybe it. I don't agree. I don't think Wolverine was one of the. I mean, he might have been early on, but now he's firmly established himself as a solo character. You know, he can be, but I really think it takes somebody good to do him. Otherwise, you end up with a lot of really lackluster stories. I mean, Mark Miller's doing something really unique with him right now, so that's. I'm trying to think of another one. There's got to be. There's a lot of Marvel books right now that. I mean, like, who'd have thought Ms. Marvel'd still be going? Yeah. Totally. Or Nova, the book that could never get any traction. Yeah. yeah. Well, those guys, it's because Abner and Lanning are just... Gods among men. They're demigods, at yeah. least. Yeah. So <laughs> Those are two guys no, name but, I love to see. Yeah, Abner and Lanning. Yeah. Yeah. So why aren't you buying the authority? <laughs> the authority died for me after Mark Miller left it. Yeah. All right. So, John, I do agree with that premise. I think it exists, but I also say that a good writer, yeah, agree with Connor, that a good writer can do whatever. Yeah, but not get, necessarily forever, though. Not forever, but it's just it's very, very hard. You can get a maxi series out of it. Yeah. You know who's never had a, a solo series? Who? Hawkeye. That's not true. Not one that lasted any amount of time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, you know. Well, yeah, but he's had miniseries. I, no, 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 no. But what I'm saying is he's never had, like, 80-issue run on something. You know what I really like is that, you know, when you type into Google, it kind of it remembers your previous searches or whatever. And mm-hmm. I just typed in Hawkeye, and it came up. This is what came up. Hawkeye... Hawkeye comics, Hawkeye death, Hawkeye not like this. <laughs> what does that mean? That's when he died in Avengers Disassembled, and it, when he went in, he's screaming, going, not like this, and then oh, he died. Big... <laughs> oh, they had to bring him back, because that's a punk out way to go. Oh, that totally was. I, 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 that's what I'm saying, is that Bendis did this whole Hawkeye thing with the, I think th- this whole Hawkeye, I think Bendis' run on Avengers is going to be Hawkeye story. He, well, yeah, he kind of alluded to that, but it's to break him down so that he could build him up in his own yeah. way. Hawkeye, That's Ronin. Hawkeye also fe- also featured in two four issue miniseries published in 1983 and 1994, uh, respectively. This is a major character who's never like they're miniseries. They've never even attempted an ongoing series with him. Yeah, he. I mean, well, he. I mean, he was. Yeah, he was a, a front and center in Avengers as well as Thunderbolts. Well, with Thunderbolts, he he saved that book. And West Coast Avenger, yeah, totally. It's interesting, that's all. Yeah, fascinating. All right, well, Hawkeye also has really good taste in music. And um, and I bet you Hawkeye would shop at emusic.com. And you could shop at emusic.com as well. If you go to emusic.com forward slash ifanboy, you could check out, you could sign up there. You, it's a really cool subscription-based service where you can get DRM-free MP3s of a lot of really great indie artists as well as artists that you might be familiar with. And if you go to emusic.com forward slash ifanboy, check out a list, a playlist of songs that we selected that we think you might dig. But if you sign up, you can get 50 free songs. You can download the songs we recommend or download anything else you want that's on emusic.com. So go to emusic.com forward slash ifanboy. Hawkeye was created by who, Josh? Uh, it wasn't Stan. Is it Kirby? Stan Lee and Don Heck. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he was an Avengers villain, right? Yeah, well, he came in, he was first introduced in Tales of Suspense, number 57. He was one of the first new Avengers after the original lineup. Yeah, but I think I think in Tales of Suspense, he was um, a reluctant villain. Right. Yeah, lovely. Cleophis Wayne from Brooklyn, New York says, I'm not rare in that I've really grown to love Jeff Johns' work at DC. I've been more of a Marvel fan, and so John's in particular is such a great gateway into DC characters, history, and events for me. Action Comics is one of my favorite books right now, and I pick up anything he writes. But does Jeff Johns have any creator-owned work? Bendis has Powers, Brubaker's Criminal, Morrison has all his own stuff, and on and on. But I never heard anything about Johns. Did DC build this guy in a lab? What's up with that? 
No. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Yes, he does. What? He has one creator on work that was, uh, I'm trying to remember it now. It was when the hell did that happen? Earlier. You, I, I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> I would know about it if it was in the last year or so. Fuck, because I got into this argument at the store, and I'm like, because we're talking about you know creator-owned work, whatever, and I was like, Johnson doesn't have anything creator-owned, and they got slapped in my face that he did. Uh, All right, you think about that. We'll get to the next question. What you think? Very unrelated, but no less valid. I've never heard any of you talk about Harvey Picar or Crumbbook. What's up with that? Strictly speaking, American Splendor is one of the greatest comic book movies ever. The guy is still producing work, as far as I can tell. Not fans. Not that I'm some super fan, but of the work itself. I'm just curious what your opinions are. I've got one American Splendor book. One of those big collections. Mm-hmm. It's very good. I've flipped through them and, for whatever reason, not been interested. I'd heard of it for years. I loved that movie to death. I also love the Crumb documentary. But the Crumb work, while to me is is very visually impressive, I'm 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 not interested in it from a a story standpoint because it's not really what it's about. I guess it's just sort of not my style. So there. Geekar to me is like one of the when you think of indie comics. That's what I I still think of when I hear the word indie. I still think of books like that that are drawn and. Written by guys, you know, yeah. on the side, very dirty looking, appearing to be unprofessional, but really not, and and very personal. That's what I still think of when I think of indie books. So that's, I mean, Picar is Picar is one of the great. He's definitely one of the greats. He's up there with R. Crumb and all that kind of stuff. I've read. I mean, I've I've read a lot of not. A, I haven't read a lot of Picar. I've read some Picar. I've read a lot of Crumb. My high school and the, uh, my hometown and my college library had a lot of R. Crumb stuff, and I read the, in those years just because I knew because it was right when the the documentary came out, and I was reading comics. I'm like, oh, I should read this guy's stuff. And, you know, I wasn't stoned, but I enjoyed it. Well, there um, you go. <laughs> um, okay, so the internet has helped me. And uh, Jeff Johns has two creator-owned works that have been published. By who? Uh, the first one is called The Possessed, which was published by um, Wildstorm and was written by Jeff Johns and Chris Grimminger, and art was by Liam Sharp. When? Um, I don't have a date on it. So it says, in a world where demons walk the earth and the devil's day is near, man's only hope lies in the hands of a small band of exorcists trained in the art of combat and hardened by one common element. They're all possessed as children. But what happens when they lose their faith? That's that, the first one. And the second one is he did a book called Olympus, which was for humanoids publishing. And Butch Geist was the artist. And Johns and Chris Grimminger. <coughs> That's vaguely familiar now that you <coughs> mentioned it. Excuse me. And Chris Grimminger were the writer. And that was published in 05. She's very John Ross getting very emotional it's about ch- it. It's choking me up. <laughs> Jeff Johns' uh, indie work has made him verklempt. It has, yeah. So it's the humanoids. That's that's what I, that's what I couldn't remember was the humanoids thing, and I don't know wh- who the humanoids are or whatever, but that was creator owned. Yay! Yeah, you know, I, I, Jeff Johns just it seems to have been a man built only to to make the DC comics is is better than they've ever had a right to be. Okay. I mean, like just that's what he does really well. Maybe okay. he's got something else in it. It'd be interesting to see, but. Jenny Y. from Boston writes in saying, I'm still in a state of shock after James Jean announced that he would be leaving Fables covers as of, as of number 81. His covers have brought a lot of readers to Fables, and it's sad to see such an integral part of Fables go. Nevertheless, I wish him luck with his independent work. Who would you like to see do the new covers of Fables? I'm unfortunate. I'm not really a cover guy. <laughs> and it's funny because that's like a Vertigo thing. Like, I can appreciate their very nice covers, but it's funny that, like, the covers are such an integral you know, not really I, i'd be fine if i just read the interiors they're very nice and they're they're good and everything but i don't know wow you just <laughs> let jenny down hard yeah i know i did but i'm like i'm a story guy and the, what the about covers... nico hendershawn the guy that did the uh oh, he's the, beautiful out of baghdad and stuff he does some covers what is he doing he, i see him do covers lately he's been doing some oh really he's great he should do another book i feel like he's doing something he should do the flash well, yeah. 
just anybody you can you can think of. You're like, what, what about the Flash? What are you doing? He's gonna start walking with people in conventions. Hey, how yeah. you doing? Why don't you have do you thought flash? about the Flash? Do you have a Flash pitch? <laughs> <laughs> no, James Jean is going to do like high fashion work and illustration and make real ah, money. Pay the bills. Yeah, exactly. Screw this. I, it's funny because I read everything in trades for a while, so I didn't even sort of see the covers. Yeah, you know what I mean. I really first sixty issues like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Dave Johnson. <laughs> awesome. Tim Bradstreet. No, I'm so sick of Tim Bradstreet covers. What? I don't like them. I like them for awesome. some books. He was good on Hellblazer, but yeah. it's just a grim dude looking at me. It's scary. Captain Cool says, simply put, does the news that Tom Cruise is is look is looking at playing Holden Carver scare you? Scare you? Obviously, uh, he's making you stutter. Yeah, well, he didn't. He just wrote Holden, and I was like, "That's too inside." He is talking about the news that Tom Cruise is is on board with Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips' Sleeper, which is, I believe, a favorite story of all of us. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's a Wildstorm book that came out a few years back. Are you scared? No, it doesn't scare me. He shouldn't play Holden. He should play Tao. He's too old to play Tao. Yeah, who cares? He, you know what? I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot. Tom Cruise isn't necessarily a bad actor. He's just no, he's cra- not. He's just a crazy man. He hasn't been really very good lately, I don't think, but he's done things really good in the past. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think he's been great in everything he's ever been in, and he hasn't been great for a while, but he's definitely done stuff that was really good. You know, like when he was the, what was the, the Jamie Foxx movie where he was the bad guy? He was good in that. Oh, the, the Ray, uh, Ray, collateral, Ray. Collateral, collateral, collateral. Uh, he was really Michael good. Man, that was a really good movie. That was a good yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Go way back. He's really good and born on the 4th of July. So... On the surface, is he's not a bad actor, so you know, if he plays himself, Tom Cruise, and he gets all winky with the camera while trying to play Holden Carver, that's bad. But if he actually goes and, and plays it and, and doesn't go to be a poster boy, I'm sure he could do fine with it. He was amazing in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> but that might be a different way. Well, What's no, I'm different? just saying, but he did it. I didn't even know it was him until like the third scene he was in. He's, I mean, so, he's also, it's also so far away. He's only optioned it, so it's not like uh, it's happening. Yeah, that's, that's the thing about these options. So few of them, such a small percentage of these happen. But then again, if, I mean, the other side of it is if Tom Cruise decides he would like to play Holden Carver, that movie's getting made. And two <laughs> guys who I, whose work I really, really like are going to do very well for themselves. And I'm cool with that. Uh, I'm sorry. Really? Say the name. I apologize ahead of time. Guy and L- John. La- John Laia Garcia. Connor, Connor not a Spanish student. <laughs> Cerveza. I just finished reading the entire American Virgin. This is all for Josh. American Virgin series. I enjoyed the story a lot, but I felt like the last arc, the one titled "69," <laughs> wraps things up, up too quickly. I was satisfied enough with the endings. That's what she said. But I have this nagging feeling that this wasn't supposed to end this way, and that the last arc felt like a little rushed. I'm not sure if that's how it really uh, I really see it, or if that's how I feel about it since I knew the series was canceled. Has anyone else read the series? What did you think of it? I guess my main question is: Does knowing that a series is going to get canceled influence your opinion on the ending when you actually read it? Okay, so there's there's a two part question. Just real quick, I think I'm the only one who read American Virgin at all. Yes, I probably Correct. read the first one and a half arcs. I didn't really like it. I stopped reading it, so I, I don't know how it ended. It I got, got canceled. That's how it ended. Well, I know that, but I didn't even read. Pa- I didn't even read that far because it it wasn't. I can't. I canceled it myself. Yeah. A little early, you see. I haven't. Made, I've never made it very far with any Steven Siegel series. I don't know, whatever reason that is, I start reading. I'm like, well, that sounds good. I'm like. I don't want to keep reading this. But the second part of the question is, knowing that a series is going to be canceled, does that influence your opinion, your opinion on the ending? That's a, actually a really interesting question because you know, we hear about it in comic books way before it happens. And usually we tend to know 
whether the whether the writer has to truncate their story for that purpose. And and so we know a lot. Yeah, yeah, we know too much. I mean, we, know I mean, we know if they're happy about it. We know yeah. they're pissed. We, I mean, we know what. Yeah. No, when I say no, we, I don't mean me, Ron, and Connor. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the world. People who read Dizorama. I mean, you know, exactly. good, good examples recently: Noble Causes, Exterminators. You know, like these are books that that we read, that we liked, and then we hear they're going to cancel, and and then we got to make that decision if we're going to see it till the end. And, well, not and so much you know, that is how do we feel about it? Is it we look at it differently? Do we think, wow, this has been this well? Has been I, I mean, personally, I start looking for signs of truncation. Like I start looking for the like, even if it's subconsciously, I'm looking out for well, what did they have to lose? And I'm sort of like, well, did it feel a little rushed? You know, as opposed to something like you know, why the last man's ending, where he got to you know cruise into the into the hangar at exactly the speed he wanted to, and it felt right. You know what this makes me think of, which is really interesting, the, the analogy of or amalgam of television shows, in that comics is one of the few mediums where they can wrap it up. And I'm thinking of like, if there's a TV show you like that gets canceled. They just cancel it on whatever episode they're on, and yep. you ne- and the story like and and the most recent one, embarrassingly so. But there was a Fox series called Reunion that was a big murder mystery, and each episode delved deeper into it, and they canceled it like twelve episodes in, and I don't know who did it, and it's been driving me crazy for like two years now, <laughs> and I'll never know. You know, it's it's interesting to see how you know comics is lucky in that you get this, albeit it it's truncated, you get to see an end. So. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Not always, but Joe usually. K- Joe Casey's Wildcats just ended. Yeah. <laughs> and I never got to see what happened at the end. I could probably ask him. But still, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Right. And I don't remember it anymore. Next anyway. question comes from Adam. With Secret Invasion and Final Crisis out right now, it inspired me to go back and read some of the other big company-wide crossover events I own. Currently, I'm on Crisis of Infinite Earths, and I've decided as I've been reading it that it's my favorite, despite some of Wolfman's dialogue. I mean, quote-unquote, what in blue blazes? Really? Who talks like that? Well, he hasn't read many comics. Simply, be- simply, because, yeah, simply because the scope of it was amazing, that being the muddled mess of that Infinite Crisis was. So my question is, what would each of you say is your favorite big event and why? Atlantis Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> the Asgard Wars. <laughs> What'd you say? The Asgard Wars. Uh, Asgard. Speaking of events, I recently flipped through the trade paperback of Civil War, and it's not good. <laughs> like the last <laughs> issue, like the, the the finale. I'm like, wow, this isn't good. Wow. Sorry. My favorite event goes back to in, is, is is an X Men event, and it's the first one I read in Extinction Agenda, and that was my favorite because of from sentimentality reasons. Mine's got to be the long, the earthquake, the Gotham City earthquake, uh, whole thing. No man's that land. That was great. No man's land. But even before that, cataclysm. the cataclysm. That's the word I was looking for. Cataclysm and 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 aftershock and no man's land. That whole thing was just disturbingly good. Through multiple oh. books for a long, long time. Eighty-five books it went Jesus. through. Oh, how could I forget Operation Galactic Storm from nineteen ninety-three? <laughs> oh God, I, I bought all of that. So did I. Oh, it was miserable. It was an Avengers uh, crossover, and it was a. What's the, the worst thing about that? Is they they aped the the, the name of a real war? Yeah, or exactly. that. <laughs> Oh, or that what, what's the war? What, what's worse than that? <laughs> I might I might try, I might change mine to live Cree or die. <laughs> I bought that too. <laughs> oh god infinite crisis was good though <laughs> okay what about batman nightfall <laughs> yeah, nice. let's not talk about that <sighs> let's, 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 let's instead joshua from florida says what's up with not putting amazing spider girl into marvel 616 continuity <laughs> as a longtime reader of the book it seems like she has enough following uh, to an interest from the readers to warrant the upgrade from the big leagues to marvel it even seems perfect to do it now in a time where in the current uh, continuity we can do whatever we want 
editors of Marvel. Uh, I blew that whole ending. I'm sorry. <laughs> Basically, the current uh, the current uh, atmosphere at Marvel is they can do whatever they want. So why not bring her in? That book you ever listen not- to this show, Joshua? <laughs> Well, because that book's been on life support for the entire run. It's not like there's a lot of people buy it. No, every time they try, they've tried to cancel it like four times, and it and it survives. It's like the it's like the cockroach of the the Marvel Comics world. Yeah, it's not because it's popular, because for whatever reason, but it's not. It doesn't sell well. No, yeah, no, because it's because when they try to cancel it, then there's all the surge of of support from the the people buying it. I don't know how uh, it survived. Doctor Falco has photos on Joe Casada. That's got to be. There's a distinction that he's made here. Where he's saying, "What's up with not putting Amazing Spider Girl in Marvel Six One Six? They're not going to put the character, and she's an established separate, you know, separate kind of." of timeline or reality or whatever so that's not gonna happen it but it wouldn't make any sense right and so then the idea of uh, planting seeds that you know spider-man has a has a future child that that is may parker or whatever it is well you know there is a baby out there yeah, yeah maybe yeah so who knows you, you know where you know when you know when tom defalco lost me when <laughs> i bought a one-shot hawkeye special that he wrote oh is, is this the hawkeye show <laughs> isn't it always the hawkeye show ever since I he's thought he lost back. you I thought, I thought he lost you at that um that con where he talked about he writing. lost me later at a con when he was talking about how there was too many words in comics no in story. He, he lost you at a con when he got two aisles ahead and you couldn't keep following him. <laughs> i love the idea of you chasing tom the falco around san diego <laughs> like asking for my money back on my hawkeye issue mr defalco mr defalco <laughs> no he actually literally i went to a writers on panel writers and comics comics writers on a panel like just <laughs> It's like DeFalco. Danny Fingeroth? Yeah, Danny Fingeroth, nice. Stephen Grant, and Kurt Busiek. And, and well, like, that's the DeFalco, most boring panel I've ever heard. It was, <laughs> oh, it was, it was so boring. <laughs> and, and DeFalco was just complaining about modern comics. It was like, it was like an older version of Alex Ross. Oh, God. I'm just I'm slagging everyone off. <laughs> 150, the um, episode where it all ended. Number 17, <laughs> Robert Tennessee. What comics-related podcast do you listen to regularly? Are there any you would recommend over another? Pick a winner. No, uh, don't cry, guys. I'm not trying to replace you. Just supplement my voracious comic podcast appetite. I have a wide range of likes from superhero to indie, so I'll give any suggestions a try. I also love trades. Do you know of any good casts that feature trades, uh, hardbacks, graphic novels, and omnibus-style printings? Well, that last question is easy. There's the Comics Collected Library, uh, which yeah. is Chris Marshall. Great podcast. Just focuses Great on podcast. trades. Which is just like the one dude talking, but he does a really good job. And he posts on ifanboy.com. Yes. Wait, say that again? He posts oh, yeah. on ifanboy.com. Yes, yes, so, yes. So if there's ever a question about a collected edition or anything like that, he'll give you the answer. By the way, in case you weren't, it's late at night right now. <laughs> and I'm punchy and I'm totally starting to lose it. But we did this on purpose because we figured we'd... It'd be funny, but it may just be awful. So podcast-wise, as far as I'm concerned, there's only like a handful that are worth listening to, which are Word Around Comics, (laughs) Word Balloon, Pipeline, and the best comics podcast out there, Tom versus The Flash. Yeah, you're not wrong. Those are the ones I listen to. I just shotgunned a bunch of those, and they're fantastic. Yeah, Tom Tom Caters, who's normally on Around – I mean, he's on Around Comics. It's him solo recapping The Flash, and previously before that he did the JLA. And it's it's like this bizarro performance art – like I, I it's, it's it's amazing. It's just it's hysterical. You know what's great about Tom? What is that he's awesome, but he totally could give a shit if you think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what's great about him. <laughs> like he's just like you know what? If people don't like what I say, you, they fuck themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turn it off. He doesn't care. He doesn't need you. <laughs> I I honestly when we when we first started doing this a while ago, I listened to a lot of comics podcasts, and uh, honestly, I got over it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like it was just too much. Like when I listen to other podcasts now, like I talk about comics enough with a lot of people. So I tend to listen to other stuff instead. Yeah. The thing about the comics podcast is there's eight bajillion of them. So, right. you know, if you have a lot of time on your hands, you whittle through them and like listen to some of those. Like we had a video show with all the comics podcast guy on it. Yeah. Guys on it. You know, Comic Geek Speak and, and several other people on Two Tie. Indie Spinner Rack's a great show, by oh, the yeah, way. Oh, yeah, Indie Spinner Rack, definitely. I do, I'm sorry, I, sh- I should have mentioned Indie Spinner Rack. They're awesome. That's, that's the best one for indie discussion and, and interviews. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, just go to so iTunes. Go to iTunes, type in comic books, and you'll see the, the ones towards the top. You know, and those just check, find one, and you'll find one that you like. Our next question comes from Jen D. from Portland, who asks, How do you feel about encyclopedias for comic universes? I remember getting the old DC Who's Who in the Marvel handbook. They were cool because you could update them easily with the individual sheets. Now the trend seems to be hardcover encyclopedias, which claim to depict all characters in a given universe. However, characters are changing and shifting so often that these encyclopedias come out all the time. I'd really like to have a solid character reference for Marvel and DC, but I can't keep dropping 40 or $50 every time the updated encyclopedia comes out. Am I doomed to rely on Wikipedia? I'm asking this because the new Vertigo encyclopedia came out. I totally want it. But for one, it's not really nicely designed, which is surprising. And for two, what if they just come out with an updated one in another year? Boo to that. That's a really specific problem. It really is. <laughs> you know what's funny is I have several of t- uh, types of books like this, and I got them, and I looked at them, and I said, that's really nice, and then they are sitting on the shelf still. There was a couple of years where I just bought anything that came out. Well, because I was a big fan of the official handbook of the Marvel Universe in the 80s, and I remember the sheets that she's talking about. I, had yeah. to bu- I bought the binder. And you, they well, came. this is a nice little thing. If you're listening to this on Sunday night, tomorrow's mini is all about this. And if you've oh. already seen the mini, then you're going to be oh, okay. Knowing. So, so that I talked about the uh, the DC Who's Who because that's what we have. But yeah. they need to come back to the sheets because then you could update them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean the thing is, we all know why they do the books because they're forty, fifty bucks, and we're going to buy them. And that's the thing. So I would say you're doomed to rely on Wikipedia. And honestly, Wikipedia and there's like there's a Marvel database and like there are all these websites that have so much information about comics and it's. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that the the printed book is is of these this kind of character reference is gonna you know fall to the internet. Or you could just read the books like me. Yeah. Fine. Next, I'm a snob. Next question. <laughs> Potter in Washington, Wisconsin. Potter. Not even <laughs> close. <laughs> Potter in Wisconsin. Connor, you read it. <laughs> I started reading Batman, and I initially heard about the R.I.P. storyline, and I'm very glad I did, as I find it to be one of the best stories coming out of the summer. In fact, I also decided to pick up the supplementary issues for the R.I.P. storyline, Robin, Nightwing, and Detective Comics, truly enjoying all of them as well, especially Nightwing and Detective. One of the reasons I liked Detective Comics was a villain that was new to me in the Batman universe, Hush. In the last week's podcast, there was an all-around note of dislike of Hush. I'm curious why the hate of Hush. Fuck Hush! (laughs) Or... Hush. <laughs> you know why? Because it was the fucking Jim Lee, Jeff Loeb arc, right? Mm-hmm. And it was yes. all this hullabaloo, and he dressed up like Robin, and it turned out to be his childhood best. It was just a contrived, just boring character, and I don't like well, that. Well, I think, I think it originally was supposed to be Jason Todd, then, and yeah. then they had, I, I don't know if they had to backtrack on that or not, but then they changed it to being Clayface impersonating Jason Todd, and then it's it turned just... out to be this other guy directing Clayface to impersonate Jason Todd to dress up like him. <sighs> it was a convoluted piece of junk it really was and thing is is that if you ask me anytime you have a character with like the bandages wrapped around his head he's an invisible man (laughs) not just a scarred guy and i don't like the scarred guy thing that's a really interesting reason not to like it (laughs) but uh, more i only read the first issue of that and i went this is not for me yeah was when that was when i realized that maybe jeff Loeb was not the thing i thought he was on all things (laughs) (laughs) all right then (laughs) Josh, you want to give a shot at the next one? Yeah, what up? 
Roy from <laughs> Ray. That was the joke. <laughs> Ray from Union, Connecticut. One, what is your stand on statue collecting? I own a few statues of Captain America, one of my favorite superheroes, and I just wondered if you guys collected them and if I should, quote, preserve, unquote, them in a glass case or something. What's your stand on statue collecting, guys? Wow, wow stand- nice. If, if, nice read. That <laughs> was good. That was good. Ron, you're it. You're all, you're all, this, all, this, all this left here for this one. I have some statues. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a statue collector. I have a couple of one-offs, statues that I found particularly either to be really good sculpts or, um, or just ironically funny. Or just ironically funny, like the Grey Gargoyle. I don't put them in any cases or anything like that. Or Although there's a dude, that guy Jamie Tarquini, who posts on Comic Book Resources. He's a big statue guy, and he like has cases and stuff like that. Like His house is like, he has, like you know, display cases and all this kind of shit. Do what makes you happy, you know? I mean, if you want to get statues, get them. If you want to preserve them, we, we, put, them put them in a glass We got case. you a statue for your birthday. You did. You got me the Cyclops origin statue with the fucking Cyclops as a child in the fetal position with the bandage over his eyes. Seriously, how fucked is that? I love that statue so much. Well, there was a long planned show, which is never going to happen, by the way, where we were all going to go statue shopping. No, I really think we should still do that. Yeah. We can do anyway, it. We can do it. That might happen someday. We, but there was like a brief, there was like a month where we talked about statues a lot. A lot. I love The thing is, when you see a good statue, it's really hard to walk away from it. I've walked away from them thousands of times. I know, now, but for me, it's really. I'm like, oh, that. that's a good statue. There's it's such like, a thing as too much. I think. Yeah. I went to yeah, some guy's think, house it, once, it, and it was like they were everywhere, and yeah. I thought this is too much. Even what, for me. what I really like is I really like the mini busts that uh, Randy Bowen does. You've got a lot of those. Yeah, I actually do. I mean, I, I like. I looked up one day. I'm like, oh god, I have a lot of these. I have. Um, I have Cyclops, Magneto, Kitty Pride, Nova, Grey Gargoyle. I know I'm forgetting a couple. I have the I have a Harley Quinn statue. I have a mini statue of the Dark Knight. Batman and Ro- teaching Robin how to do the slingshot. That was a mini statue. I have the Cyclops statue. I think I have a couple more. Wow, I have a lot of statues. Fuck, I'm a statue guy, aren't I? <laughs> sort of. You're a mini bust guy. I'm a mini bust guy, which is kind of which is kind of accurate when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> what a read between the lines. <laughs> uh, uh. Ray owns a few statues of Captain America. Just You might want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Don't get any more. His second question, who are your top three favorite superheroes? Question goes to Ron, Josh, and Connor. <laughs> My top three are, I like how he clarified that. <laughs> we are actually the three guys on the show, Ray. Um, Thank God it was the three of us. Right. My top three are Superman, Hawkeye, and Captain America. Wait, that's Ray's top three. I know. Yeah. I was reading as him. Okay. Now I'm done reading the question. I'm speaking as Josh. All right. So who are your favorite uh, superheroes? I just Josh? read the question. You say it. I have to think about it. Okay. Connor? Superman, Batman, and Robin. Captain America. Really? Not Captain America? He's fourth. Oh, wow. Right. He's my favorite Marvel character. Oh, this is, this is tough. Um, Hawkeye. Okay. Guess Ron's. You can guess mine? Okay. Go for it. Right. Spider-Man? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he's up there, but he's not in the top three. Cyclops? No. Uh, Cyclops was what I was going to yep. say. Yep. Angel? He's up there, not in the top three, but he's up there. I'm a big fan Kitty of Pride. She's up there, not in the top three. All right, I give up. Oh, 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 Madrox. Flash. Badrock. <laughs> Mad, no, Madrox, Madrox. Uh, Madrox, no, he's not in the top three. Josh the got Flash, it, right? Josh Flash. got, yeah, Flash. So it's Cyclops, Flash, and I got to say Jean Grey. All right. I will go with Hawkeye. Didn't see that coming, huh? By the way, that was also the statue I was going to get. <laughs> um, Hawkeye... I'd say Captain America's been up there for me for a long time, and I'm looking at I'm looking at my bookshelves now, trying to figure it out. 
Invincible. Uh, that was actually that was on the tip of my tongue, but I don't know, you know, because Jack Knight, Starman. Nice, convenient answer. Oh, I'm looking at the books. I know that's why. And and yes, Ray, you're not done yet. Third question: Who's your favorite creative team so far? My <laughs> so far, like. <laughs> I can't, I can't guess who's going to be a creative team in the future. My uh, Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham on JSA, and my Marvel is Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting, and Image is Robert Kirkman and Robert Otley, and Dark Horse is my. You know what, Ray? You're a little too organized for me. Uh, and Dark Horse is Mike Mignola and John Arcudi on BPRD. That's a little cheating. So I'm assuming the these are like current creative teams. Yes, so. Okay. All right. Let's let's just say pick, current just, creative. Let's just pick teams. one. Okay, for Marvel, it's got to be um, – that's a good question. What's my favorite Marvel creative team? Currently. Whew. Don't go by publisher. We'll be here all night. So just pick <laughs> just, one. Just do one team. One. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do I, it. I, re- I really like John's Eaglesham right now. I'm really, I love that team. Really? Yeah. All right. <laughs> You're like disappointed. I kind of am. I don't know. Like, let me think. You go. You see, you're not the kind of dude who, like, you know, like, I, I don't see you looking at Dale Eaglesham art and being like, that's my favorite. There oh, it is. I love it. It totally works. It totally works. It hits, it's, it's such a huge part of the JSA. Bendis and Oming. When they put a book out? <laughs> Every time they do, it's, it's comedy gold. Or just gold. Uh, I'm going to say Brubaker and Epting. Oops. Oh, damn it. When Epting's doing the book. Yeah, I went through several Brubaker incarnations there. He tends to pick artists I love. Was like yeah. Brubaker and Phillips? Could have been Lark. Brubaker and Lark. Phillips. So there you go. Cool. Something about Epstein, though, on Captain America that works. And right. It does work. Real- We're halfway um, through. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> Netflix is where you get movies. And if you're not <laughs> listening to podcasts, you could be watching those. They have over 90,000 titles, no late fees, free shipping both ways, Blu-ray titles, fast delivery, usually just a day. Uh, most of the shipments uh, ship within a day. And they plan to start from $4.99. You can get a free two-week trial at www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. Don't forget to say the www or type it. You could say it. It won't do anything unless you have one of those voice-activated computers, in which case you're probably frustrated because it doesn't do quite what you want it to, kind of like an iPhone. Let's move on. What the fuck is this next question? <laughs> Let's see. Carter, which two of you – okay, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Here, I'm going to try to read it and see if I can get it all the way through. Which two of you have been two-thirds of a threesome together? Come on, Connor's definitely one piece of a menagerie, but who's the other? I'm sure there are other f- I fan gays and I fan girls that want to know. Carter okay. wants to know if we've been in a threesome with one another? Uh, Carter, just so you know, you win. <laughs> that's the weirdest shit anyone's ever wait asked Wait a minute, us. wait a minute. Okay, like I know we have the I fan base. I know we have I fan girls. Do we have I fan gays? Totally do. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I'm so happy. I feel like we've established ourselves. I'm still fucking back to where, like, does he, <laughs> no, no, I will never be in a threesome with any guy friend that I keep on the level of, like, one of my best friends, very close friends, for the pure reason that I just don't want to look down and see their toes curl. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not, you're not, it's just so I, you're not averse to a guy-guy-girl situation. Yeah, this is inappropriate. This is totally inappropriate. <laughs> Comics. <laughs> what about you uh, guys? The non-denial denial. <laughs> I've never, I've never been in a threesome with either of you. <laughs> I could totally say so many things right now, and I'm not going to. <laughs> Moving on, Mike B from Ontario, Canada. Before we get into trouble. Ah, <laughs> uh, I was yes, wondering what. <laughs> he, uh, he knows too much. I was wondering what comic. <laughs> 
mini busts. I was. <laughs> I was oh, wondering okay. what I... comic character do each of you hate the most? Whether it's due to a specific act, event, or just a cut of their jib. For me, it's the Joker. Hush. No, just, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hated comic book character. Who do I just hate when he's on the fucking page? I only hate the Sentry right now. Yeah, fuck the Sentry. Killthecentry.com. Darkhawk. No, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh. Oh. Hey, oh. Um, I hate, hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate a lot of yeah, characters. I don't hate a lot of characters, yeah. I just, I just don't read about them. I just hate the, I just hate the, I don't know. I didn't have a joke there. I'm sorry. David B., a.k.a. Billy Parker. Why are you so constantly whiny? Please answer. It's really Why? a nature versus nurture question. <laughs> I'm not really whiny. <laughs> that's really a, that's, that depends on the position you're asking. We are, I'm not whiny. I'm critical. Yeah. I don't I'm know. critical because I demand the best from this stuff that I spend so much time and money on. And the second that I think that somebody's phoning it in or isn't doing a good job, I think it's important to recognize that so that you can recognize the stuff that's really good and appreciate it even more. That's my real answer. Harumph. Okay. Harumph. I didn't get a rump out of that guy. Oh, well. Sorry, David. Billy Parker, if that's your real name. Billy Parker didn't like our view on Civil War. Now he's really not if he's listening to the show, even though he claimed to never listen to the show again. Oh, he's the one who said that he never listened because of Civil War, and now he's back. Yes. Oh, Billy Parker, David B. I see what I see your game. Still don't like Civil War. <laughs> I just said earlier it's, it sucked. What's funny is that some like if we don't like something that you like, you can still like that thing. Yeah, totally. We don't and, like something. And if I don't like something, it doesn't mean that Josh and Connor don't like it either. Well, that happens a lot. Yeah, no. Why do you guys hate on such and such? No, no, you just it was just Ron. Yeah. For instance, Ron's really into guy, guy, girl threesomes. <laughs> hey, oh! Yeah. He's, he's really upset about that one Baldwin brother going to the other side. <laughs> that movie was like a touchstone for him. <laughs> anyway, Meg Magnolia from the, from the boards from Pa, Pennsylvania... My cousin is a high school history teacher. Well, he shouldn't listen to this show, or his student shouldn't, I guess. Anyway, I gave him Chrissy upon your pick of the week recommendation last year, and he loved all the facts and detail that were shown in the book. What other accurate, well-researched historical fiction or nonfiction books would you recommend for a history buff? Well, Magnolia, <laughs> interesting you ask about that, Josh. I believe we did a program about that, uh, and it was called History. That was the name of also, it. And we also, the book of the month. The book of the month. That's what I was talking oh, about. Oh, that too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I edited that other show too, so, so that's fine. Meg, just go to Amazon and search for anything by Rick Geary. Yep. It doesn't have the personality, the sparkle of, say, uh, the Crazy Book, which had like a like a, an edge to it. Yeah, a wit yeah. to it. That's probably it. It's a much more dry, I suppose. Not to be any less interesting, but it's just a different kind of book. But no, we did do that history uh, episode too. Where there was a bunch of books there. If you like political stuff, maybe Joe Sacco. Yeah. Who I mentioned in the letter, letter column this last week. I don't know. That's about all I can think of at the moment. Definitely go look at that history video show, though. That's a good one. There's yeah, lots history. Of yep. Yeah, look, tons of stuff. Go to ifanboy.com forward slash podcasts and look in the video podcast for the history episode. Creator Designs says, I need your help. Actually, this is related. Actually, my girlfriend needs your help, so please help me help her. You see, she's a student teacher at a high school, and she's looking for ways to teach other mediums besides just novels, short stories. I recently got her to read the first few trades of Why the Last Man, and to my delighted surprise, she enjoyed them a lot. She now wants to teach some comic books to her kids. However, she's limited by both time and content. She needs a shorter story that isn't too violent or graphic. I've suggested maybe some things out of Optic Nerve, as well as an awesome eight-page backup story from Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Can you help me get any great, preferably short stories told in comic form that would be 
illiterate enough for her to teach her kids. Optic nerve. I don't know if that's appropriate. Isn't that no. very adult? Yeah, that's kind of adult. Yeah. And it's also incredibly depressing. Yeah. Also, uh, the plural of medium is media. Uh, Just saying. Anyway. Um, <laughs> probably short just. stories. Short for how old kids? High school? High school. High school. Mm. 14, 18. Short stories. Hellboy pancakes. Actually, there's a bunch <laughs> of Hellboy stories. What about just like an, get a, a, a do, oh a, get an anthology, get the flight anthology or Pop Gun or anything? Those are all short stories. Flight's a really good one. I mean, yeah. if you're trying to teach yeah, like go, look, how to tell a story using a different medium, like so, like the graphic way to tell a story, Flight's actually not bad for it. Although yeah. I was kind of bored by it. No, and, and look look at the Pop Gun anthology from Image Comics. <laughs> the volume two just came out. And those are it's you know basically like like a graphic novel mixtape, and there's just all various kinds of different stories in there. What's that, the content like in that? The the content the content is I think it's all ages I don't think it's adults I don't think I mean there's there's some you know there's some cute stuff there's some gritty stuff there's some, you know I mean I think I, I think it's I think I would give it I would have no problem giving it to a high schooler. Here's a short book that Jean Yang who did American Born Chinese did another book called Gordon Yamamoto King of the Geeks. Nice something like that. Um, it's a short little story and it, it's completely appropriate and it's really 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 good. So check out check out some of Jean Yang's book. I believe he is actually a high school teacher. Yeah, he is actually so, here in the Bay Area. Yeah, you know, so, in terms of reading time, most most comics are like short stories anyway. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, like, if if you got American Born Chinese, it may look thick, but I read it on like a subway ride. Yeah, you know, it's just it's not a long read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look for like that kind of thing. I think American Born Chinese would be really good actually to teach. Yeah, totally. Yeah. American Born Chinese would be great. It, it's almost just because American Born Chinese was just a little more esoteric, but King of the Geeks is just it's even it's like uh, two thirds of the length and it's even more straightforward. Yeah. But it's just so good that it's, it cuts across every – like it's just a good story. Cool. The most recent Walking Dead. <laughs> I was going to say that, but you stole it. Um, our next question comes from Gabriel from Strangers of Comics. Number Three questions. Number one, I'm a huge fan of Spider-Man 2099. Problem is I can't remember why. <laughs> it's something <laughs> it's that only there. <laughs> it's something that I love um, from when I was a kid, but looking back at it, I can't remember anything about the story. My question is: Do you have something like this where you love something a lot from your childhood but can't remember why? Also, I'm interested in what you think about the Marvel 2099 line from the '90s. Um, Spider-Man 2099 was awesome, and X-Men 2099 featured some excellent Ron Lim art, and I remember a lot about the story. That Spider-Man was written by Peter David with art by Rick Leonardi, and it. I remember actually it was you know Spider-Man and he had a little holographic hot. It was like assistant. a future. It was a future yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I think things that I enjoyed in my childhood that I can't remember why. Eh, the Uncanny X-Men. Root beer. <laughs> Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I, things that we enjoyed as children. I don't know what the what if comics grabbed me as a child, but I know why because I like them because I liked other you know alternate realities. Comics stuff. are hard because I mean I think they you know you reread them and they most of them are still pretty good. Right. Well, it's the same reason why we like stupid things when we're kids. You know, like the the Silverhawks cartoon. It's not. good. I liked Airwolf. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah. So anyway. But it had a helicopter and it shot things. <laughs> Next question. I remember Connor being into Heroes when it first came out and talking about it. Only Connor. What other si- what other sci-fi shows are the three of you into? Is there a Doctor Who fan in the group? No, no, <laughs> no, there isn't. And I'm I'm friends with a lot of Doctor Who fans, and and when Doctor Who comes up, I totally socially try to sneak my way out of the conversation. Like I'm gonna go to the bathroom, and then I leave because <laughs> like, I don't want to be outed as not a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, it's supposed to be good. It's supposed one. to be great, and I, I do want to. I want to watch all of it, but you know, we all love Battlestar. Right? You guys like Star Trek? Oh, I love, yeah, huge Star, Star Trek. Trek. Star Trek, definitely. I like Eureka. Um, Ron and I are big Quantum Leap fans. Yeah, huge Quantum Leap fan. Yeah. 
It's not a lot of sci-fi on right now. Yeah. Hmm. So there isn't really. Last sci-fi channel doesn't even show a lot of sci-fi. Last question: What's the one yeah, you think is a channel called Sci-Fi would show a lot less shitty movies? The Twilight Zone, huge Twilight Zone fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. V, 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 V. Oh, V. I love V. And also the um, Steven Spielberg thing from the eighties. Amazing, amazing stories. Amazing, no, amazing stories. stories. Yeah, yeah, I love the amazing stories. That music. That was fantastic. Oh, the yeah. opening to that. Oh, I should look out for that on YouTube. Okay, so what's the one thing from your years of collecting that you look back at and are shocked at or by, are scared by it? <laughs> All of Gabriel's questions are are, are self-loathing. Look back the past. <laughs> very very nostalgic. Yeah, he's um, in a room that's very dusty. I don't know. Shocked. I bought a lot of it? crap in the nineties that I shouldn't have bought. That's for sure. I will say that when I first started reading comics again in like 98, I bought a lot. Like I was like, well, what's this and what's this? And so I have like a stack of battle chasers and I have like multiple copies of the Inhumans number one and, and stuff like I don't know why I did that. <laughs> and for some reason, for some reason, I paid extra money to have different versions, different volumes of the Justice League number one. Like the only sort of back issues that I ever paid any money for were like, the, the Keith Giffen Justice League number one. I didn't even know what it was back then. I just was like, I like that cover. I'm going to pay 20 bucks for it. And then when I came back and went to San Diego for the first time in like 99, I bought Grant Morrison's Justice League number one for like 30 or 40 bucks. Yeah. I don't know why. Um, oh, I've got the one that will be all of you guys, which I've talked about it before on the podcast. I have five copies of every cover of X-Men number one, all five covers, or all four covers, and then the extra special gatefold, the whole big wide cover. I bought uh, 25 copies of that one. So, yeah. <laughs> also, I, and it just does bear repeating, you own 25 copies of Dark Ark number one? I do own 25 copies of Dark Ark number one. You'll be retiring at any time. Off I know. Time. I'm going to make millions, Jerry, millions. Oh, God. That scares we were, me we were, enough to count for my answer. We were the right age for that, totally. We were like 13. Money to burn. They, yeah, totally. I, when Robin oh. came out, they put out a Bags comic, yep. and then a, I would buy the Bags comic, and then I would buy a second Bags comic that I could open. And then I would also buy the newsstand edition, which had a different cover. You know, you know what's so really, for what, every one of those every one of those issues, I would say I have three copies of each one. What's really funny is that they really raised the stakes on me, and they 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 wooed me into it because what happened was that Spider Man number one came out, and that had different colored covers, and they were all polybagged. So there was the black, there was the silver and black cover, there was the purple and green cover, there was the red, you know, like there was all those different things. And I only bought one cover. I bought the purple and uh, the purple and green cover and bagged. Right. I have the silver one. Yeah, I bought the silver one to read, but I kept the purple and green one bagged. Then X Force number one came out. And this was a big deal because it was polybagged with a trading card. So I bought yep. tw- I bought twenty five copies of that motherfucker. <laughs> All right, as so I was just like I was like, man, this is for this is Rob Liefeld. This is gonna be amazing, right? So I bought actually I bought twenty six copies, one to read. And did you sell drugs as a kid? <laughs> no, I didn't. I stole Jesus. a lot. And so then after X Force came out, then they come out with X Men, and they're not polybagged or have trading cards, but they've got different covers. And I was like, well, fuck. I, I distinctly remember when that came out. I was. Mm-hmm. Vacation in Cape Cod, and we went to a comic store, and I bought one copy of each version. Yeah, all, all five versions and the gatefold version. Yeah, uh, just why? It's the same comic the book. It was the same. Did I book. do that? You know, but then I, I was out. I was out by then. I, I missed that whole thing. Yeah, but then I look back on life. I look on my life now, and I look at you know shelves of DVDs and going to see bands play every night when they play five nights in a row in New York City and things like that. So really, nothing's changed. It just gotten more expensive over the years. <laughs> And he still steals. Yeah, I still steal. <laughs> Joe Rell Rollins writes and says, Have you guys noticed the brutal nature towards the smaller side characters? I remember back in the older days of the comics, these comics 
characters would be the heart of the books. Now they are used as cannon fodder. For example, on Canon X-Men 501, Pixie got mutant bashed as if they couldn't pick a different character. I'm not partial to her. Just thought, hey, nowadays would they do that to Kitty Pride? The thing that really made me notice was Teen Titans issue 62. I wasn't going to pick it up, but I did. It, it introduced a new Wonder Dog. The part of me got me halfway through the issue was when the dog brutally rips apart the Wonder Twins, who, by the way, we haven't seen in like six or seven issues, if not more. Just curious if you guys had noticed them letting characters walk off into the sunset or did they plan on maiming them? What do you guys think and what did you think of Teen Titans 62? I'm going to go get a drink. Yeah, I, I'll, be, I'll be right there. Yeah, Connor, are you? Well, what do we think? I mean, Pixie, like, do we think, I think they're, they're definitely taking characters they're not using and using them to up the stakes of these stories for the main characters. Yeah, because you can't do, you can't do that to, you, you, you can't, I mean, for whatever reason, side characters are there to have shit happen to them. It's like yeah, the red shirt against Yeah, exactly. That's their point. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you know, Pixie, whether we like her or not, is not Hank McCoy. She's not Kitty Pride either. Yeah, she's not Kitty Pride. Yeah, but either. at a time, who also was sent oh, off. Oh fuck! Kitty Pride's in my top three superheroes. Oh no, I said she was. Yeah, you that. asked you that. Said- yeah, I love Kitty. Anyway, okay. It, it, but the, the thing is, at the time that Kitty Pride first came out, she wasn't Kitty Pride. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. she, she, it took a while for her to become a, a, a relevant and an important character. So yeah, but any character does. I mean, you know, yes. Avengers number four, Scarlet Witch was a reformed villain, and she wasn't rever- revered as she is now. You know, there's. It, it takes, wasn't Hawkeye in that issue? Yeah, yes, he was. All right, enough with the Hawkeye. Seriously, drink. Now I have to keep doing it. I know. It's going to get funny again soon. <laughs> First time, not so funny. Second time, <laughs> with the rolled threes. Third time, comedy Genius. gold. Anyway. Um, Fifth time, annoying. Sixteenth <laughs> time, also. <laughs> Punch you in the mouth. <laughs> Uh, Teen Titans 62 was, was good. I mean, yeah, Wonder, uh, Wonder Dog killed the, the twins. Well, that happens. Not the Wonder Twins, the other ones, um, the other two. Marvin and the girl, the <laughs> super friends. Wendy? They're, they're in continuity? Wendy and, Wendy and Marvin, yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. And they got brutally killed? I Wonder Dog. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Yeah, it that was. Is, that is kind of cool. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Who wrote that? McKeever, I believe. See, you were talking shit about him earlier. I was talking fun. shit. I just said he wasn't. I will as... rip apart the figures of your youth with a dog. <laughs> All right. There are six, six questions from Dave Carr. Um, I light around this shit. Number one, are there universally good inkers that can enrich any artist? Dave Stewart is a grand colorist. Chris Eliopoulos is a fine letterman. But are there any equally diverse and talented inkers? Or is the inker-artist relationship best evaluated on a case-by-case basis? If so, toss out some good examples of good teams. Klaus motherfucking Jansen. Mark Farmer. Uh, Rodney Ramos. Terry Austin. Uh, Jerry Ordway. Terry Austin. Paul Neary. Yep. There are some great inkers. Jerry Ordway. Jimmy Palmiotti. Jimmy Jimmy Palmiotti. More recently, Danny Mickey. Andy Lanning. Andy Lanning, yeah. Yeah, Andy Lanning, in addition to writing Nova, he inks Phil Jimenez's uh, Spider-Man art, and it's fucking awesome. Okay. Rodney Ramos is a really good one, by the way. Thank you. I try. I said that. I'm I'm looking at my two Transmet pages right Mm -hmm. now. Dudes. That's the thing about Derek Robinson. Derek is—I mean, uh, Derek has been inking his stuff on the boys, and I love Derek's art. But when he inks his own stuff, it's way too heavy. And Rodney Ramos knew when to pull it back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Joe Sinnott. Oh, who's inking? Um, who's inking uh, you? Uh, Mark Morales now, I think, is is a great inker. Yeah, compared to when when you was doing it all on his own. Yeah. But Terry Austin and Mark Farmer, because they work with Alan Davis. That's how I knew that. And Paul Neary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, no, not Terry Austin. No, Paul Neary and Mark Farmer worked with Alan Davis. But Terry Austin's also great too. Okay. Jimmy Palmiotti makes everybody look good. Yeah. Okay, cool. In his awesome Talksplode interview, Jay Ferber mentioned some great European artists. This got me thinking about European comics. Any good ones to recommend? I've read Persepolis, but that's about all I can think of. Note, I'm excluding Alan Moore, Neil Gaiman, etc. South American or Central American would be good. French as well. English translations would be nice, but I'm struggling through any good literature that um, 
and it looks ugh, uh, any good vendor I struggle through carries. any good literature there and online vendor that carries European stuff so is there any online vendors that carry European stuff yes amazon.com is there any good European stuff yes there is there's there's a whole wonderful world of French Belgian comics that uh, <laughs> Brian over at Comic Geek Speak does a whole podcast about and Augie is a big fan of them and, and Augie DeBleek from Comic Resources I don't know much about the, the Franco-Belgian comics <laughs> Humanoids are the really is one of the bigger names in the publishers there and they've done a lot of stuff that that people like a lot i don't really the know only, the only ones it. i've read are tintin those are really good yeah tintin's great but south american i mean right now uh gabriel ba and fabio moon are the the comic book darlings and they're from brazil what's it what's the first second press yes um oh oh gippy 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 oh uh, no it's i have it i gotta turn uh, garage uh, Yo- band yes uh, well johan Svar is another guy oh and Louis, check out louis tron check out yeah, yeah exactly go check out first second press they put out a lot of foreign books in english translations and these are guys who are huge. I mean, so much bigger than U.S. guys are here, like in the rest of the world. Yeah. Cool. That's a good place to start. Lewis Trondheim. Next question. If you could place yourself in any comic universe during any continuity, assuming it were real, when slash where would you go and why? Feel free to create a specific identity within this framebook if you want. Or not. <laughs> or not. That's, that's a deceptively unshort question. I would be a podcaster in, the, in 616 Marvel Universe. Earth Prime. That's here. <laughs> Connor. <laughs> you'd be in Batman. That's, you'd be you'd be working at Gotham Central. Gotham's I don't I don't place. want to be in Gotham City. <laughs> I'd get killed. <laughs> I would be in uh, Earth Two where everything's happening. Yeah, you nice. would be great in Earth Two. That's where you are. Okay. You're a new you're a newspaper in, boy in, in Earth Two. I get thrown in jail in Earth Two. <laughs> All right. Assuming you had a bad day, uh, which supervillain identity would you assume to annihilate the idiots or the stress and why? Joker? Because he feels no stress. Okay. Joker, Joker is he's having a good time no matter what. Connor, Mister Zaz. Interesting. Whoa. Why? Because <laughs> it's really dark. It's the darkest <laughs> thing I could think of. Darker than the Joker. Uh, Red Skull. Yikes. Hey. Why would you want to deal with all the paperwork? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, because I feel a lot like, of emails to get through. I feel like as Red Skull is the one that I could identify the most with. I could really be effective <laughs> in, inside the bureaucracy and all the, the politics in the office place. <laughs> so you're saying you identify with the Nazi. Yeah. I was, oh, you beat me uh, to it. Let's assume you have the power to reverse time a la Superman 1. What event, personal, national, international, whatever floats your boat, would you change and why? I'm not telling you, Dave Carr. <laughs> I do high school a lot different. <laughs> I would rewind about two hours ago and say this is a bad idea. <laughs> Connor, yeah. <laughs> I'm 31 years old. I think I'd go back do some things. I'd go back in about 10 years. Yeah. We don't have time for that right now, do we? <laughs> no, no, this, we don't. Finally, last question. This one is a purely personal indulgent. All three of you have spoken fondly about your college years. Assume that you're in the last leg of undergrad. Is there anything you wish you can go back and do before you graduated? I'm compiling a college bucket list for myself and soliciting <laughs> su- suggestions suggestions that I know to do activities before I graduate. And yes, I'm 21, so don't restrain yourself. <laughs> I, okay, this might be... Okay, do you want a confession? Yeah. The last two weeks of school or week of school, I went to as many of the girls I had crushes on and told them. Oh, my. Oh, Holly. (laughs) Remember the Holly story? Yeah. Holly. Tell the Holly story. Tell the Holly story. I was in love with Holly and like for years and she was like the the, she was like the skater chick who. No, she wasn't a skater chick. She just she had the look, but she wasn't really a skater chick. Whatever. Who cares? When I talked to her, it was she was hot. 
when when I talked to her though, it was not as impressive. So I chose to talk to her less. Yeah. Like there was one semester, I was like, I'm going to get to know Holly, and then I was like, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, I had that same experience. With her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but she like smoked cigarettes and had a husky voice, oh, and, and, god, and she had short hair. Oh god. She was in. She was in this. She was in a doc research group with my wife, and I was like, so did you ever sleep over? <laughs> she didn't, by the way. I and, would not and, have gotten back together with my ex-girlfriend the last month of school. That's for sure. Well then, yeah, you've gone back and done. And I was like Lauren Goldberg and Becca Green. Anyway, <laughs> like they're listening. <laughs> so, so it gets to be like the last, the last day that we're in Park, which is the the communication school, and and I'm like, and Holly was down in one of the editing suites down there, and I was like, I had to return some equipment. I was like, after that, I'm gonna go tell Holly I've had a crush on her for two years, and I was like, <laughs> I was gonna do it. You know what I mean? Like I had resolved myself and I, and I said hi to her as I was walking by. I was going to do this stuff and come back down. And I never saw her again. Yep. Room was in. I rode the train with her a lot the year after school. Yeah. Let's see if she's on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably too much for everyone listening now. It probably was. Yeah. I got, I got a lot of – it was really easy to go tell girls you had crushes on them when you, when you were in the middle of a long-term relationship. That was fun. Oh, I was single as hell at that point. And actually recently dumped and mad. So I was like, whatever, man. And then I got a Green Lantern that's, tattoo. That's what the mm-hmm. end of school's for, is for telling everybody. And then they tell you, oh, you should have told me. And then you go. Well, get- ir- ironically, she is not on Facebook. She probably has a different last name now. That's what happens to girls. No, but sometimes they they, they put their maiden name in. Excalibur from Queens, New York. There ain't nothing wrong with Queens. Says, I just finished watching a video episode of Supervillains. I disagree with mo- with a thought about Thanos being pure evil because... I read Marvel the end in the Thanos issue, which he is not really evil. Besides, isn't he doing the killing because he tries to please death, get her attention? Okay, so you're saying that, say that you have this girlfriend who really likes it when you shoot strangers, and you go get a gun and gun them all down, and the cops come for you, and you're standing in front of the jury, and, and they say, well, should he be killed? You go, I was just trying to impress the lady. I did it for Jodie Foster. <laughs> You guys mentioned Lady Bullseye. I saw a picture of her. Isn't she getting her job done a lot easier since her targets are stunned to see her basically naked and just stand there for her to kill? This also reminds me you guys didn't really mention any strong female villains in the video show. Or you can just add Loki now that she's female. We totally didn't mention any female villains. That was totally a bad on our part. Sorry. Are there any? Sorry. Enchantress? Cat. Yeah. Catwoman's yeah. not a villain. Sin. Enchantress. Enchantress. Yeah. It's just a red skull and skull uh, under... You, you, you only read like two comics because everything goes back to Hawkeye or Captain America. It's, <laughs> it's the only one's worth remembering. You know, the, the ancient Celts would fight naked so as to stun their enemies. So it's not, not an un, not an unprecedented uh, move. Okay, fair enough. In regards to Lady Bullseye. By the way, who no one is ever going to mention again after six months. Right, yeah, it's not going to stick. Buffy seems to be one of the few that is successful in turning a canceled TV series into a comic book medium. I was wondering if some other canceled TV series that could continue in the comic book realm, I was thinking maybe Quantum Leap, Dead Like Me, or maybe Jericho would have worked. What other TV series would you want that were canceled to be continued comic books? I'm not, I don't think very many of life at all. You're, you're anti the comic, the, com, the TV show going to comics. I'm There's all, a very specific reason why it. Buffy's successful because Joss Whedon writes it and has a very strong voice and he basically wrote those characters. I, he had a staff, but he, he led each show. You can't take a show like Jericho that who's, doesn't have any you, strong central author behind it. I think that the title of Hating Fun goes to you now. Uh, no, no, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of magic that's going into what's going on Buffy, but it could, I mean, like, you know, if Marshall Herskovitz took my so-called life into comics, I'd be very happy. Yeah, but do you think it'd be any good? Terry Moore drawing it. 
Wasn't there a Quantum Leap book? Yeah, they were bad. There was, the Quantum Leap. There's been bad. lots. And li- I remember I bought a Shield comic once. I don't know what I was thinking. Nick Fury? Was canceled. That was, we're talking about books that shouldn't have been canceled. That could be, get to oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need, to, you need to have a strong, identifiable creator behind these books that is also identifiable with the show. Yeah. And also no sort of like comics. Joss Whedon just happens to be fitting into that that sweet spot of all those things you need. He's, he's one of the people that fits that. Yeah. That very, very unique thing. I don't know. I don't know anything. So I've Finally, seen. non-comic book question. Other than comic books, I like to watch reality shows like The Amazing Race, Project Runway, Little People, Big World, and World Series of Poker. I always wanted to go on The Amazing Race. Still no luck so far. As you guys, <laughs> as for you guys, which competition <laughs> reality shows would you try? And if you had your own reality show like Kathy Griffin's The D-List or Little People, Big World, what would be the name of the show? What would it be about? Can I tell them the story, Connor? Yeah, yes. Uh, so Connor and I are big fans of, of Big Brother. On CBS and, and yes, Gordon as Gordon as and well. Gordon is as well. Gordon is as well. But 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 this is before Gordon got into it, and and before anybody objects. Yes, it's crap, and yes, it's repetitive. Yes, it's we know that. Okay, love you know? it because it's crap. Right, exactly. That's why it's, it's like so much. You, fun you're going to tell me the fucking Project One Runway is like Chaucer? Come on, you know, like it's all crap. But so we like Big Brother a lot, and we were right in that age group in the mid in our mid twenties, and they're casting for the next Big Brother, and Connor and I developed this plot where we were going to individually apply to Big Brother. And not acknowledge that we knew each other. And somehow we would make it through the casting process and then we would get on the show and then we would work together and win the game. And and we never did. We didn't even. That's apply. what you think about when you're 23. That you could do that. <laughs> exactly. That was possible. And then, of course, you know, three years later on Big Brother, they introduced when people knew each other outside the house but pretended they didn't, which I think they stole from us, Connor. Totally. They must have hacked their email. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all we're going to talk about with reality shows. Unless somebody has a reality show concept that they would they would do, I've always about, wanted to do Urban Survivor about myself and what the title would be. Yeah. That's way too much thinking for an on the spot. It's, thing. A, it's, it's actually called I Fanboy, and you're listening to it. <laughs> you yeah. watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next question from Lily: Has your depth of comic book knowledge ever come in handy in an unexpected situation, time or place? I always wonder if this kind of stuff ever comes up in surprising moments. No. There was this one weird time where. <laughs> I used to work in a TV studio that was housed in the lobby of a hotel, and I was walking through the lobby to go to the elevators to go up to the offices, and the security guards were talking, and I just caught a snippet of the conversation where the guy says, one of them was Dick Grayson, one of them was Jason Todd, and the third one was, um, and without breaking stride, I said Tim Drake and kept on walking. (laughs) That's brilliant. That's the only time I can think of where it's actually come up in the real world. I got one like that, except I got it wrong. (laughs) Because I was, there was this, there was in the office that me and Connor used to work at, there was another dude on the floor. He, he was a really weird looking dude. And he had giant, like, black shoes that were way too big, but his pants were too short that made him look really weird. And then his, he had, like, that weird 80s comb over hair. Like, yes. where, like, one side's really long, long. on one side, yeah. Yeah. And he was just a weird dude. And I hope he's not listening. And he's in the hallway one day on his cell phone going, no, no, it's, it's, a, it's an iconic cover. And Superman is holding the dead body of Wonder Woman. And I go, Supergirl. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, no, the Alex Ross cover. <laughs> I just left. Yeah, it's so the Kingdom trying, Come one. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to help. And, yeah. and I, I got it wrong. I went to the crisis and right. I blew it. Yeah. Damn. I probably do, but I don't remember anything. And her last question is, name at least one movie that you're embarrassed to say that you own or love. I take pride in everything I own. I'm not embarrassed to say that I own Crossroads. <laughs> and but, I, uh, I, I don't. I don't advertise it. <laughs> I am embarrassed for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not I don't, embarrassed about anything. 
Listen, Listen, if you were 22 but... years old in 2000, you oh, you saw Crossroads. If you were, dude. hell's yeah, totally. I did, and it was wonderfully yeah. awful. I'll never forget that that there was a um, there was a episode of Undeclared, the failed Judd Apatow first year college sitcom with a young Seth Rogen, and one episode. The plot was actually Seth Rogen and the British character were just getting drunk the entire weekend, and they were just doing stuff, and Seth Rogen said, oh, we're going to watch my favorite movie, and he pulls out You've Got Mail. And that led to a lot of jokes about people liking You've Got Mail, and and, uh, it was sitting on my shelf while I was watching the episode, and I was just like, I own You've Got Mail. It's a cute little romantic comedy. It is, yeah. It's a remake of a a Jimmy Stewart movie. Come on. Delightful. Yeah. I have Steel Magnolias on my shelf, but it's my wife's. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I have that, too. I don't know. I should. I've actually never seen it. Oh, Although, you should. It's great. Great Tom Skerritt. When Harry Met Sally is a fantastic screenplay. Well, it's a good movie, too. Yeah. yeah. I think it won an Oscar for screenplay, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You can see my old apartment building in the background in one of those scenes. Uh, no shit. And in You've Got Mail, actually. Oh, really? I, think I, also, same, same I also love, uh, I love Hugh Grant comedies. Yeah, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Notting Hill. Fine movie. Fine yeah, movie. Great movie, yeah. And, right. Okay. I fanboy is proud to be part of the Windy City Comic Con. Join us on October 25th from 10 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the Center on Halstead. Just or two 10 blocks from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's all night. Just two <laughs> blocks from Wrigley Field, the heart of Chicago's Wrigley Field neighborhood. This one-day event will bring together the best comic book retailers, publishers, and creators in the Midwest. The area's best retailers will be offering great deals on new issues, collected editions, statues, games, toys, apparel, and tons—literally tons—of back issues. Meet some of the industry's best talent, including Gene Ha, Don Kramer, Mike Norton, Scotty Young, Will Pfeiffer, Bill Reinhold, Jeff Lemire, Rich Kozlowski, Jeffrey Brown, Tim Seeley, and many, many, many more. Book your plans now to attend the Windy City Comic Con October 25th for a full list of exhibitors, guests, gaming schedules, and programming. Go to www.windycitycomiccon.com. That's Comic-Con spelled C-O-M-I-C-O-N.com. Windy City Comic Con, Chicago's only comic book convention. Very excited about the Windy City Comic Con if, if we end up there. <laughs> Depends on which way the wind blows. <laughs> Next question comes from Vicious Smith. A two-part question. 1A, why do you dislike Gail Simone, or rather her writing? 1B, has a Gail Simone book ever been considered for a pick of the week? Oh, Jesus, run the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Look shiny thing. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of her writing, but... I will... I will. She's a fine lady. I don't have anything against her I will, I will say that I am not a fan of her writing either, and as far as I know, a book has never been considered for Pick of the Week, but I read Welcome to Tranquility and Trade, and that was actually really good. Yeah. I don't know what I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't have a feeling about her one way or another, but she's just never written a book that I've been interested in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's never been on a title that I wanted to go get. Right. So if she were to take over something that I was interested in, I wouldn't dismiss it because she was writing it. I would give it a chance. And he's got a second question, which is, I heard you guys hop in a van and solve mysteries in your off hours. How did he find out? So I was wondering if you found found out what those black and white images are in the Marvel titles. Signs point to noir, but everything else seems to be speculation. Is this a what-if deal? A story in continuity? What is this? It was just Didn't announced, just, wasn't it? They just announced it's, it's a noir line of books. I think it's in like out of continuity, isn't it? I think it's out of continuity, yeah. I don't know. I don't know, yeah. I, I didn't look at it. The, the announcement was just about – they just announced it a couple days ago. It's, I think it's X-Men and other characters in noir settings. It's kind of like a what-if line. Not a, no, not a what-if line. It's kind of like an Elseworlds line. Yeah, yeah. So that's that sounds that like a like an issue that would be fun, but not <laughs> eight-ish. Well, it depends on the quality of the writing. If it's a good I noir guess. writer, then it could be really fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll but I think you only take so much noir at one time. Too much one noir. Book back. I'm sick of the noir. It's not, it's not like you want them all to come out on one week and you get like twelve of them there. Well, that's true. But oh, yeah. oh, good, dark hawk noir. Ah, <sighs> by that. <laughs> by, by eight copies. copies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, totally. Damn it, same joke. <laughs> 
This is better. You said Joey from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm a big fan of Mutant X, the comic book that had Havoc transported into a parallel dimension. But is there any other comic book series like Mutant X out there that I am not aware of? Oh, Joey, 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 Joey. An entire line of comics that DC (laughs) once existed called Elseworlds. Um... Is an exile like that? Exiles like that. Exiles, yeah. Yeah, exiles, yeah, was kind of like oh, the new exiles hasn't been as good, but exiles was was basically yeah, it was a lot of X Men related characters hopping through the different time stream and 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 having different things happen. Go look up for exiles, or actually, if you want, they're not as long as the Mutant X series was, or which I love that Mutant X series. I don't know why it was really cool. Like Havoc went to this other dimension, Storm was a vampire. It was really cool. It was like one, it was like a really protracted long what if story. But if you like those kind of stories, check out the old what if trade paperbacks that have been coming out of the old what if issues that kind of explain in alternate reality. Or I thought you were going to call him Joey Jojo Pants. Oh. <laughs> Just for a second. That's the worst name I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> no! Adrian, I emailed a few weeks ago about Invincible by Robert Kirkman and how much I enjoyed it. Recently I found out that he had a run on Ultimate X-Men. I picked up the first volume of this a few years ago and wasn't impressed, but having Kirkman as a writer has intrigued me. Do you guys know anything about his time on this book? Go the other way. Yes, it was it was forgettable. The entire uh, Ultimate X Men yeah. run has been forgettable. And it's, and like they were, it's not that there was bad people working on it. Yeah, Mark Miller, well, Brian Vaughn, Brian Bendis, Robert Kirkman. Yeah, no, just shit all. It's the book that nobody can write. You know, yeah, it's weird. weird. It's like Swamp Thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cotton writes in and says, "I was just rereading Top Ten the other day, and I found myself really impressed with the Todd Klein work in the deicide scene in Book One. It got me thinking, probably for the first time, about letterers. I was just wondering if there's any series that had a similar impact on you. Hmm. That's um, I know exactly what he's talking about, though, and that's really the first good. time you notice that lettering is more than just the words. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the book that made me a lettering nerd. I can't get it down to one thing. I don't. I'm, I'm really trying to think what it is. I think that one of the things is when you talk about things like that, like when you use a bunch of different fonts to yeah. like denote the different characters, it can be overdone really easily. Yeah, you know what I mean, like you can you can blow that real quick. And I think that the second that it starts to become confusing or hard to read at all is when you lose it. Yeah, I um, mean that's like that's the fine line you know, because honest- it's really easy to, like put wacky font in for the alien. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and to wit, I think the first book that I really noticed the lettering on was uh, Tom Orszkowski's work on Spawn. Because because <laughs> which, which which book? Spawn. I'm sorry. Which book? Spawn. Spawn. I was reading it down by the shore. <laughs> Fuck you! Spawn, Come on. So no, was, you listen here. I was so, I was reading Spawn. And so, I looked at the letters. So Tom Orszkowski, what he did because Spawn had a um the stop. I can't even not do it. Spawn, how do you Spawn 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 Spawn? So Spawn. That's so. The word balloons, like when Spawn talk, they had a specific. I can't fucking Spawn. control it. Welcome to Spawn talk. We talk about gods, <laughs> clowns, spawns. Tommy. <laughs> His word balloons had were like kind of italics and had their own kind of font, that sort of thing. And then it was the first thing that really made it, that deviated from the standard kind of comic book lettering font, and that got me noticing. And then and then from that, I noticed the work of Chris Eliopoulos, I noticed the work of Richard Starkings, I noticed the work of Todd Klein, and you know, and like to see how these guys approach different things and what I like about them, what I didn't like about them. So I'd say it's Spawn. Chris Eliopoulos needs to write on lettering. Yeah, he does. That's a good idea. On lettering, yes. <laughs> Funny. Sam Fryer from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania says, on Sonia Harris's profile page, 
It says she's a designer and that her comics are tax deductible. I'm about to finish my senior year in graphic design, and I was wondering if she could shed some light on exactly how she manages that. She's not on the yeah, show. We, shouldn't, we should not give tax advice. So, so, Sonia Harris is one of the writers on fanboy.com. You can read her on Fridays. Uh, Sam, g- go get you to an accountant or H&R Block or whatever, because if you're, if, you if you're looking at any comics or magazines or books that are apply to your work – they can be deducted now. Ta- now, here's something I learned. I learned at a late age. Tax deductible doesn't mean free, or doesn't mean you get the money back. <laughs> it just means that you don't get you you for a certain amount. You cannot get taxed on them. We shouldn't give tax advice. We shouldn't call at all. Cater. Go go don't to an accountant. Yeah, go to an accountant. That's my advice. I know lots of stuff about this, but yeah. I've gotten in trouble <laughs> not saying that's another thing. show. <laughs> oh. Okay, next question from Aaron. I'm a bit conflicted with your show. I love your in-depth, oh. in-depth reviews, but hate them at the same time. You, ma- you guys make nearly every comic sound good, and then I have to buy it. Before your show, I spent maybe $10 every two weeks at the store. Now I spend about 20 bucks a week, and I feel like I have to be at my LCB store every Wednesday. What's LCB? Local, local, comic, book. local comic, comic book store book. every Wednesday, just as they open the shipment, even though I have a pull list. Anyway, my real question is, whatever happened to Fell by Warren Ellis and... <laughs> 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 nothing to do with it. <laughs> my real question. Whatever happened to Fell by Warren Ellis and Shrugged by Michael Turner? I love those books. Fell was only $1.99 and always had a great story. Is it that Warren Ellis is too busy with other things? If so, have you heard if he'll ever return to the series? I guess since Michael Turner passed away, that book is pretty much done for also. I was wondering if anybody could carry that book on. It was fun. All right, quickly to address Michael Turner, his publishing company, Aspen Entertainment, is continuing. And like actually, um, Fathom, number one, just recently came out with Pencils by Ali Garza, which is actually... Which actually was really good. I went to a, a fundraiser for, to celebrate issue one. I saw some of the, the art and I got a copy of the issue. His creations will continue on. That's the great thing about comics is that creators come and they create characters and create books. If you like them, another another creator can pick them up and run with them. That's good to see. So I bet you Shrugged will be back at some point. As far as Fell, it's not over, right? No. It's just they haven't like, said anything, but it comes, I mean, out, it comes out every nine months. Temple Smith's on at least two other books. Yeah. Warren Ellis is writing at least three other books. So yeah. it's, it's a probably shame. Not, I mean, it's a shame. I'm sorry. I'm guessing it's got more to do with Temple Smith. I mean, who knows if the scripts relate, but like, you know, the artist's got to take on work basically. Right. So he can't wait forever. So he makes a commitment to go do something else. And then, you know, the other project, the, the love project, has to, you know, take the ball by the wayside. He did Dead Space, which is a licensed property from EA Games. I'm sure he he took that book on because he would make a lot of money right. on it. I had to put Fell to the side. But at the same time, he's also doing, uh, yeah, like he's doing his own stuff too. Yeah. But Fell's so good. I hope they come back. Fell is, Fel is so good. Yeah. Fell's crazy good. Yeah. Anyway, Stephen Hereford, a.k.a. Scootman from Rancho Cucamonga, California. <laughs> he gets the best. That's the best <laughs> credit line ever. <laughs> also known as Scootman from Rancho Cucamonga, says, Hey, I fanboy. We know that superhero movies were the most popular this summer, yet I'm still reading that comic book sales continue to drop. Why do you think it is that most people just seem content with the movie and don't bother to bask in the comic book glory? Have you tried to get a non-believer to convert to comics? That's actually what we do. <laughs> Every day. Every day. And well, the- people don't read in yeah, general. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. And, 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 and especially the- don't read comics. Yep. And the, yeah, the comic book still has a, a, an unfortunate preconception about it. I wrote a whole thing about this. <laughs> that... 
Uh, if you go to iFanboy and search it out, Josh wrote a column about this, which was very good. Uh, thank you, Connor. I mean, it's been eight years now. It's not going to happen. You know, the, the, other, the other side of it that shouldn't be ignored is that when, when the movies come out, the, the trade sales do go up right. a lot. They, no, I mean, they do. I, we, we've, talked to, we've talked to retailers and people – Iron Man came out and people wander in going, Iron Man? You know, and Watchmen, Josh, like you were going to say? Yeah, Watchmen is is like uh, way up on the on the Amazon top list. But the, it, what it doesn't create, I think we we can pretty fairly conclude, is it doesn't create new monthly readers. Right. Um, it, 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 it's some some people definitely, but not on a large scale. Statistically, not significant. It's not like it's not like you know after Iron Man and Batman, those books each went up twenty percent in sales. Right. Which is odd because in nineteen eighty nine, after Batman came out, that did happen. They did mm-hmm. get. Hundreds of th- not hundreds of thousands and thousands and thousands of new readers, so much so that it rocked the industry. But for some reason, between eighty nine and two thousand eight, doesn't happen anymore. Now, or whatever. Now, I think that there's an important clarification here to make: that's that comic sales continue to drop in the direct market stores, but we have no idea. We have no insight as comics are doing in like Amazon and Borders and Barnes and Noble. I think trade sales are probably going Tra- up. Actually, that and that's the thing: trade sales and graphic novel sales are booming. You know, but we have no data to prove that. The only data we have is the direct market data from Diamond. So, you know, it could be said that it's going down, but I think it's more that comics is just kind of evolving. You know? They're shifting from one yeah. one form to another. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you know, one of the one of the very basic things is that back in 1989, when when the first Batman movie came out, you could still get comic books, you know, off the newsstand or the spinner rack or at the drugstore or whatever, and they were seventy five cents a buck a piece. Actually, the second you know, Batman movie. Was it? The, well, whichever. Let's, let's not discount the okay. 1966 the eight, Adam West classic. Well, <laughs> Batman, sales were Batman. booming then as well. What are you going to do to get uh, – some days you can't get rid of a bomb. Anyway. Anyway. It was just easier to get comics. Now you have to find these ridiculous little specialty shops and deal with the weird miasma of what that place is like. And Miasma. Listen to you. See, see, see. It's late. I'm starting to be like. Uh, We're at the home stretch. We only have a couple left. Almost All done. Right, do this thing. Steve S. C. Siegel. Seelig. Seelig. Were the were were the cable and X Force series of the '90s really that bad, or is it just that happens to be an easy bandwagon to jump on because it represents the excess and over the top nature of the decade in which these titles were established? The reason I ask is because many of the characters from said titles are remembered with fondness. Not only that, but the titles sold. You can't mark that up just a speculation either. Yes, you can. Also, where, while no. Mr. Liefeld serves as the appointed figurative redheaded stepchild in which to beat Proxy for the binge that was the 90s, he really wasn't involved with either title for very long. Yes, he assisted in their creation, but beyond that, it wasn't like he was involved in the entire run of either title. Thoughts? He's a mid-90s apologist. There is a section of the run of Cable in the 90s that was written by uh, Joe Casey and drawn by Jose Ladron that I hold up as one of the best runs of the 90s. Well, yeah. Yeah. Ladrone is it's ridiculous. Gr- yeah, it's great. And it was some, if you ask me, some of Joe's, Joe Casey's best work. That was when he was, I mean, that was the first real book that he had. Yeah, so it was great. It was, it was really good. Redude wants to do a good job. Yeah. I think he's got a certain point. I mean, I'm the only one here. I'm guessing I'm the only one here who, ran, who read the entire run of Cable and the entire run of X-Force, right? I've yes, never I read it. I read a good chunk of X-Force. You did? All right. Yes. And what, and what, what do you think of it? Crappy. What, okay. What what it's, issue? It is. It is. I'm not going to give you issue numbers because I haven't read them in, in a while. But even back then, they weren't good. And yeah, you can put it off to speculation. That's what sold most of those comics of all the. That's what sold most of Turok X Force. Right, but X-Fact, hang on. But hang on. Hang on. So so X Force is a series that ran from August of 1991 until August of 2002. 
So eleven mm-hmm. years this book was in published. Was published. We're, not, we're so talking you, about a, we're talking about a specific portion of the book, not the whole run of the history of its run. Well, no, 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 that, no, yeah, but, yeah, and that's what email's about the bad nineties. Right, but what about. I'm saying it says here the cable and X verse of the nineties, and so that's so that's really that's ten of the twelve years the book was published. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm just saying as someone who also who, the nineties the nineties represents the half first half of the nineties. Second half is when it pulled out of that. The, when people talk about the nineties, they're talking about ninety to ninety five. Ninety five right. to on was when t- comics got good again. Right. That first half, that first five years, most of those comics were shitty. Yeah, no, I, th- I definitely, I definitely agree with that. I'm not defending it by 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 any way, but I'm saying that there were. My point is that there were moments like the Casey Ledron run on Cable, and uh, there's got to be at some point in X Force where X Force was fun to read because I read it for all that, that whole time period where it wasn't completely awful. You know, to write off the entire thing, I think is is it's almost the '90s almost gives a little too much of um, of free reign to dismiss books, which I th- think is not fair. You know? No one's saying there weren't definitely glimmers of goodness, and that just yeah. goes to show the, how bad the other stuff was in comparison. Well, that, that's that's not fair either. <laughs> it's not like anybody goes, like, when you're like, oh, talk, tell me about a classic run. Oh, you've got to go back and read the X-Force. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, that doesn't happen. It's that not was like the, those That are... was the dead zone. That's, that's the reason why comics almost died that in that time. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the funny thing is, if, people, if speculators were all out there buying tons and tons of books, and then found out that not only were they sell it, buying them as their collector's items, but that they're also really good. Right. The crash would have happened. Yeah. Or at least not, not the same way. Aye. You know? Mike from New Jersey, who is the next champion of what? I don't know. There have been a lot of great adaptations by Marvel lately. The Spider-Man franchise, Sans 3, Iron Man, Hulk, and X-Men, Sans 3 again, have all been great films. But why is the Punisher such a hard character to make a film? I've never seen the original, but the reviews are an indication. There's no reason to watch it. But after seeing the Thomas Jane version, it made me believe that actors can play as Frank Castle, but no one can write a good story for him. After seeing the new trailer for Warzone, I'm wondering what you guys think The Punisher can never be a good film. When did we say that? Sure, the action looks great, but the next sure the action looks great, but the next film looks like the same old junk in terms of story. Yeah, go. I think the problem is that there there isn't a, a treasure trove of story Punisher stories to tell. The Punisher story is his origin. Yeah. And they've just told that a bunch of times. Yeah, exactly. Also, so it's hard that, to root for a murderer. Yeah, yeah. And a really, and also, like, depressed also, sociopath. Also, it's been, it's, been, but it's been done. Death Wish did it. That was the Punisher done better than anyone will ever do for the Punisher. Mm-hmm. The original Death, Death Wish movie, not the sequels. But yeah. the Punisher yeah. is, Ron's correct, the Punisher is one story. Yeah. His family gets killed, he gets revenge. And then, and then it's just killing criminals. No, one's gonna, no one wants to watch that. Yeah, if we did. It was called Cobra. <laughs> it was called every movie in the eighties. And then we found out that Sylvester's real name in the movie was Marion Cobra, which is why he goes by the last name. <laughs> was that a spoiler? Probably. It was. Yeah. All right. I, I don't know. I know. Did we say that it can't be good? I mean, I guess it can't. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think at some point we might have made a comment like it can't be good for the reason that we just said. Well, the fact is, you know, it it might be entertaining, but it's not going to be like, man, Iron that Man's a beautiful. Maybe it will be. Wouldn't that be great? It would be awesome. Like everybody sort of the, the next Monday after the Punisher movie comes up. By the way, I got pushed back three months. That's not a good sign. <laughs> That's not a good sign at all. <laughs> That's not a good sign at all. It can't be, wor- it it like- can't be worse than Bangkok Dangerous, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So all right. Our, our last question is actually a trio of questions, and I guess we'll each take turns reading one, then we'll answer it. So first question is from Chuck Zaz from Downey. Uh, Chuck, or known as Zaz on, on iFamily.com. From Downey, California. He says, you guys live on opposite sides of the country. I understand that you can phone in for the audio podcast, but I see you guys together a lot on the video podcast. Whose house is the barbecue show at? The video show. Food looked great, by the way. 
How often do you guys fly? Who's doing all the flying? Wouldn't it be easier for the show if you all lived in one area? Don't get me wrong. You guys are great together, so the efforts are worth it. I enjoy the dynamic between the three of you. How do you work it, and how did the arrangement come about? P.S. I just realized you probably use a green screen. Now I feel stupid. Smiley. Eddie from Glendale. I've always been a little puzzled by this with the economy being the way it is. I'm especially wondered about this now. I know through listening that both Josh and Connor are based in New York and Ron lives in San Francisco. How is it you guys manage to be in the same room for a video podcast? Do you teleport? Does Ron have to fly over to New York every week? Is Ron rich? Or is it all just special effects? Doesn't one of you live in San Francisco? Uh, don't the other two live in New York area? You get together to do video shows pretty frequently. One of you's racking up the frequent flyer miles. That's dedication. Bravo. That's from Eric. <laughs> So it all basically distills down to the question that everybody wants to know for the past year is how do we how do we do what we do? Well, we're not telling you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yay! 150 okay. episode in the can. Hours yeah. of hours of podcast. Jeez, you think we were that other podcast? Oh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like- get punchy uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in we really appreciate it this was a lot of fun this is always fun and to today. everyone who sh- emailed didn't get on the show thanks for everybody who listens everybody who watches everybody who we've met everybody uh, everybody really yeah, thank ser- you for ser- seriously i mean we, we you know we've said it in the show that we you know we started doing this for you know for ourselves and it's turned into something where we we get to share it with all of you and you know to think that it's thousands of people that you know that we get to talk to about comics is awesome and so we really appreciate it and it's all about you Yay. I still do it for myself. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Who are I you? I do it losing? for the chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> uh, yes. Hey, we had we had a lot of girls write in for this one. We did. We actually did. You know, that's the thing is that when everybody says girls don't read comics, like we hear from a lot of women. Either we, all the women Both who read them. comics, yeah, all two of them, either they're listen and watch our shows, or I think there are more girls reading comics than we think. We should do an all girls yeah. email show once. Okay. Nice. Hot. <laughs> And or a guy, show. guy, girl show, Ron. Maybe we should do one of those. <laughs> All right. So make sure you go to if you if you're not already there, go to ifanboy.com where you can check out Josh's uh, pick of the week review of Invincibles as well as all the other comic book uh, discussion on the site. It's a lot of fun. Uh, great writers there, like uh, Paul Dini of Detective Comics, and great columns from uh, a lot of uh, a lot of our friends who are really really good writers and they're better writers than the three of us. Yay. While you're there, uh, click on the store link, and a really innocuous, easy way to help support us is that if you were going to buy something from Amazon. You can you can click through to Amazon there, and anything you purchase will will go directly to helping the the site and the show. But also, there's uh, the sh- the books from the, that week's show, or our recommendations, or all sorts of stuff like that. Every Wednesday on revisionsfree.com/ifanboy or ifanboy.com, you can find our full length video show called iFanboy. And last week we talked about comic book villains, and this week we're going into the DC vault. Into the vault. Into the DC vault. Yes. And don't forget that you can check out iFanboy Mini, a daily video show. It comes out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And also, if you have a TiVo, be sure to check out iFanboy and TiVo. And also, iFanboy is propping up all over the internet where you want, where you enjoy video. So if you're a fan of YouTube or, I don't know, if you're one of the four people using Juice or anything like that, you can find iFanboy somewhere where you watch video. And if you can't find it, let us know and we'll get there. Yeah, if you like t-shirts, you could get an iFanboy t-shirt. Hmm? You can go to jinx.com slash iFanboy to pick those up. You can send them a picture. They'll send you stickers and things like that. Make sure that we know about it because we like to post that kind of thing. I, I wear t-shirts, so why wouldn't you want to? Hmm? You can email us, just like all these people did today, from at contact at ifanboy.com, where you can call us and leave us a voicemail, 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you do that, keep the caller on 30 seconds and tell us your name. 
when you tell us your name, then you can head over to ifanboy.com forward slash about and then be our friend. There's a whole bunch of links to our presence on MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, all the fun stuff. So make sure you head over there and be our friend on whatever social network that strikes your fancy. A very easy way to help us. Also, I just do the, the plaintive please. Please help. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you're in the iTunes and you like the show's or even if you don't, but leave a review one way or another to the video shows and to this audio show. Even if it looks like there's lots of stuff there, every every one of those helps. That's how people notice uh, whether the show's any good. And honestly, like at this point, we have 150 of these. Thank you, everyone who has t- taken the time to leave a review. There's a lot of you, and the amount of goodwill as opposed to the, just the very small bits of, of not goodwill is, is astounding, which is like a theme throughout everybody who's listened to the show for a long time. Yeah. So, so thank you everybody for so that. Literally over 312 people have left, um, well no, 312 people have left uh, reviews on the audio show, which is awesome. But we do, we do want to make a call to arms. If you watch the video show, if you enjoy it, go into iTunes, go to preferably iFanboy, the HD QuickTime version, because we've only got seven review, six reviews there. Leave a comment about the video show you know the audio show gets a lot of love and stuff like that but you know we the video show needs we'd like to see a little love for that as well so if you like it or if you don't like it but it helps people find it and helps us out uh, we really appreciate like josh said all the great words that everybody said for it and if you don't do that just tell somebody else about it yes yeah. one little put in your little put in your little message board signature on for somebody else's if you're on ours message board you don't have to because yeah. they already know yeah, it would be redundant. And finally, if you like the show and you feel like you want to really help, you can donate some cash to our cause, and you can go to ifanboy.com/slash/donations or please help us out if you can. It'd be awesome. Thank you. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Yay! Yeah. So, mm. <laughs> so 150, 150 episodes. Can you believe it? Yes. <laughs> the, a lot of weeks. I totally just, I totally just sounded like fucking Troy McClure in front of like a, you know, wow, a hundred episodes. <laughs> I can't believe we've done that many shows. Are you too happy about it? I sure am. Remember the time when? <laughs> it's not even counting the special Nazi. edition shows with yeah, exactly. the. Uh, yeah, we've done a lot of podcasts. One hundred and thirty minis, yeah. eighty. We've given you a lot of content, people. Actually, to to be honest, audio podcast-wise, while this is the 150th episode proper of the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, we have actually recorded 183 audio podcasts. We've done 33 special editions? If you count all the San Diego ones and, wow. and all the movies and conversations and interviews and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's we're up to 183. So that's, that's in addition to the 100 and how many minis? 131 on Monday. 131 minis and 87, uh, you know, long video shows. It's a lot of content. It's funny because uh, some of you might have seen Apple when they did their new iTunes thing. We were featured in some of the collateral they used to promote it, which is flattering and awesome. And thank you to Apple if anyone's listening. You know, personal point of pride. I emailed to my dad, and he writes back. He goes, "Oh wow, congrats." He's like, "So you guys afraid you're gonna run out of anything to talk about soon?" <laughs> Has your dad met us? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, and I wrote back. I said, "Oh yes." I said that happened a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody noticed. We've We've done four hundred and one shows. Holy cow! Even on our worst day, I could be like, "Fuck it, do a show about demo, whatever." (laughs) (laughs) That's your Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, right here. (laughs) Oh, that's right. It's funny. (sighs) Good times. All right, cool. Well, um, okay, so until 151 next week, catch you later. I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Arthur. (laughs) Oh, we need a little montage of your voices now, right? No, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye.